OTB Rugby. One of the best wingers in the world. One of the best Irish wingers of all time. He's done it. Of course he can do it again. It's just very, very important to be able to exit well against big teams and get down its territory game. Subscribe to the Rugby Stream on the OTB Sports app now. OTB's The Hurling Pod. With Gord Gosh Energy. Hurling. It's anyone's game. A real sense of deja vu ahead of this Saturday and Sunday's games. Last year, Limerick, on the route to winning the All-Ireland, defeated Galway by three points in the semi-finals, 27 points to 121. While Kilkenny eased to victory against Clare, 226 to 20 points. It's a chance for Limerick to get to the All-Ireland Senior Hurling Final for a fourth successive year and a fifth time in six seasons. Galway lost in the final in 2018 when James Skell was playing. James Skell, how are you? Not too bad, Will. Paul, good to see you. Kilkenny... We're in the final in 2019. Paul was involved in the win against Limerick in the semi-final. They were also in last year's final when they lost out against Limerick. And Clare last reached the final back in 2013. Paul Murphy, how are you? Good. How are you doing, lads? Will we start off with some of the correspondence then, uh, before we actually get into this? Because this was one of the more unexpected ones. Deirdre2837 on YouTube. Paul Murphy looks like a young Liam Neeson. James Skell is gas, absolutely no filter. Galliavabu coming off the back of last week. So I did a bit of research and we had a look here, particularly for the YouTube audience. Here is a young Liam Neeson. And here is Paul Murphy at the All-Ireland Preview Night four years ago. <laughs> James Skell, I'll let you decide. Is there any resemblance whatsoever between Liam Neeson and Paul Murphy? <laughs> Well, he's small arms anyway, yeah. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> you know where to hurt me. <laughs> oh, Camille, I, am t- Camille, I am terrible. Do you know what I say when people come in, especially family, and you have a, a baby or a child, and they go, "Oh, he, she looks just like her." She looks. I, I yeah. can never tell. I'm used yeah. to that. Like, like more people just, have a twin. Yeah. You could have a twin, right? And I'd say, I'm "Not sure they look like." <laughs> you know I mean? It's just I'm terrible that way. So, you, is this your way of saying I don't look like Liam Neeson? Is that it? Listen to me, Dad. I. I I personally can't see it myself. <laughs> I can't see it either, to be honest. Yeah. I can't. I'd like I to take it, but I can't. Yeah. Like, jeez, uh, no. I, I, I'm looking for facial features. I'm looking for, like, but, hair. Small arms, fair enough, yeah. We need, we need, we need to get more information. Is it, like, young Liam Neeson? Is it, like, Michael Collins' Liam Neeson or Schindler's List? Or, like, what, what are we looking for here? Because there's, <laughs> there's Taken. Is it Taken? Do I have a bit more, a few grey hairs and a bit of character now? What's the story like, you know? So, well, the image I searched for was literally young Liam Neeson. So this is what <laughs> Google threw back when I put in young Liam Neeson is the image that the YouTube audience can see right now. Uh, it doesn't really work for the audio, but... Mm. You know, Mike, Google young Liam Neeson. You'll see a picture of him in a tank top. Well, he's uh, for for people on the audio. He's in a grey tank top. This would be the politically correct uh, phrase to use there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I may get one of them to hang around Crow Park this weekend. And see if anyone mistakes me <laughs> for the doppelganger. Dion Dublin and Roy Keane were there this weekend, so they might think Liam Neeson's there next weekend. Then, <laughs> yeah, saw that. weren't the best football quarterfinals made for Dion Dublin to see, but uh, he seemed to enjoy himself based on the videos that he had up uh, a little bit earlier on. It's uh, Sunday when we're recording this week. Uh, you get to bring people around Crow Park on Saturday this coming week, Murph. Yeah, doing the the Legends Tour on Saturday in Crow Park for Borgosh. Skell, where was your invite to do a tour? Uh, or. My name and legend don't go, go, don't go together with him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big enough man to admit that, don't you worry. Uh, he's in the Hall of Fame in Crow Park, that's where he is. He doesn't do the legend tour, so I'm, I'm doing no, legend tour. I've got time for that. I'm a busy man with Busy man. Yeah, but it feels like we've been left behind this weekend, Scale. We're going to be probably watching on TV on Sunday. And uh, this lad is doing commentary for the BBC and he's doing a legend tour. And why aren't we invited to the legend tour? Hmm? 
Hmm. Well, you can you can buy a ticket if you want. <laughs> I'll send you on the link afterwards. There's no freebies around here, Skeletal. Like, I mean, we're not up on the road now. We're like, I yeah. like brothers. We're like brothers this stage now. Come on, you have to bail me out for one. Time I'll, to I'll, I'll try and I'll, I'll get I'll get one ticket and you can fight over it then. So you can, was give that me, you can give me 18 tickets, right? She can. She's not even <laughs> going. Oh, wow. Well, no. listen to a little man. They asked, they asked me, she asked, do you want me to go? And I said, uh, I, I don't know. Like, because I'd be, would I be just looking at you and then you think I'm a claw hammer then going around explaining all these stories? Or would you be interested? I don't know. So she's not actually, I don't think she's going at the moment. Anyway. So, and I don't know who's going, to be honest. I don't know who's going to turn up. I don't know if five people will turn up or 20 people. I actually don't know much about it that way. So. Well, the obvious response to this scale, if we want to slag him back, is that there are still tickets available on the week of the tour, which can't be a good sign. Oh yeah, Jesus. career. I was going to say it right, but actually I held back, which is unlike me. Do you know? Do you know what I'm going to do? Right, I actually I have a plan. I have a plan for it. It's like, do you ever hear about someone if they're doing like a book signing, but no one turns up, so you just pretend you're in buying books. I'm just going to go in and like, if nobody really turns up, I'm going to pretend I'm there for the tour and that I'm not actually the tour guide for this. So I have a fallback. I have a fallback if nothing happens. We'll we'll see. See I thought it was Paul Murphy Kerry. I'll I'm turn up with my Kerry jersey. Yeah, yeah. Just say it's Paul Murphy Kerry. Sorry, lads. He's yeah, he's not around this weekend. But, uh, yeah, yeah. I'd be grand. Be grand. I'll be fine. Finest. Well, you got a good reason to go and see uh, Galway and Limerick. Skelly, you going up along on Saturday to watch the game as well? Yeah, hopefully the, the herself and myself can go up um, and, and uh, be two extra Galway people. I say there's a good crowd going to go from Galway from from talking <clears throat> around the place in different different areas, both. Like uh, Galway's very regional when it comes to sport. Like you, you could say, truth hmm. be speaking, the south and the east is, is hurling domination. The north and the west is uh, football. But even from being in your own city and heading towards more of the north, there's a good lot of people heading heading to the game too. So I'd be hopeful we get a good crowd because we, in fairness, we need everything we can get. True enough. Before we get into the hurling itself, uh, two unusual comments come from the YouTube as well, which will allow Scale to respond to. Deck 2031, Scale is about as likeable as a dangleberry on a Connemara heifer, which I believe was sent to you by some of the lads from your club as well. A dangleberry on a Connemara heifer. It's very specific. It's very specific. It's very specific and quite absolute, isn't it? <laughs> there's, there's no wriggle room there, is there? No, it's straight like dangleberry on a Connemara heifer. I'll take it, I don't mind. That- that's surely worse than saying you hate tip. In a scale, if this was graded, that's surely worse, is it? In terms of people insulting each other, going across back and forth. Yeah, I'm not sure. Is he comparing me to an animal? Or I shit? <laughs> I, think he's, I think he's comparing you to the dangleberry which is stuck on the heifer. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. You, you, Come here. That's his comparison. Scale, the best thing we can say here is you, you evoke a lot of colourful emotions in people I think that's that's what we've established over the last week it's a good thing it's a good thing it really does Michal Cunningham as well on the Instagram messages there's actually really good questions generally across the Instagram and then a few minutes before we come on air Michal Cunningham Skehel is awful not a question but just needs saying really does that, does that, does that actually need saying does it <laughs> Well, I think Michal is talking. I think Michal is talking pure shite, really. To be honest, <laughs> Michal, you're fucking awful too. <laughs> and if you were one, if you were one less listener, I wouldn't give a shite. <laughs> so off you go. <laughs> go and listen to other people's podcast. No, I was like, we were down in Limerick last night, myself and and, and uh, the the minor management team, and like we got a ferocious, great reaction. Mm. Everyone, literally, when I say every person I met 
was was quite complimentary the pod and the people within. So yeah, I'll take the the views of the of the masses versus the views of one. <laughs> that's good um, the other one I want you to respond to Murph because I didn't ask the question but two people messaged me about the fact oh, I see you didn't ask Murphy about Kilkenny's tactical fouling he's trying to you know kind of spin the referee before the game next week and we were accused of a hatchet job on Clare last week when uh, you were talking about uh, potentially maybe some of the easy frees that were being looked for and so on and then I listened back to the pod to double check I'm like I don't even remember asking that question it was Skell mm. who asked you the question about it not me <laughs> Uh, people getting skewed that's the problem there I don't but even actually if we're going to address it now the Kilkenny one mm. um, that's open like the floor is open there for if people want to say that Kilkenny have any uh, cynical fouling like let's say going back years ago people used to say it was the chopping on the hands and that's what people Kilkenny players or myself or whoever used to do um, at the moment you'd associate the, the spare arm tackle with Limerick and then I was highlighting the one with with, uh, with Adam Hogan uh, in terms of you know potentially trying to get a few frees off the ref uh, and maybe getting like the likes of Hegarty booked and different things. So the floor is open there for if anybody wants to say what Kilkenny do or what Galway do. I didn't reference either of them because I can't think of anything at the moment that is blatantly obvious. That, and I, I, don't, I haven't seen anything in media either or, or people saying online that Kilkenny are doing X at the moment and uh, how aren't referees picking up at it. Similarly with Galway. Now, there's the floor. If anybody wants to say that Kilkenny do this or Galway do that or Cork do whatever, fire away but there's nothing jumping to mind at the moment for me um, and I'd happily get into a conversation about it if anyone does have anything they see well, Murph, did the you have I, a slight f- no go on Scal, you go first sorry, sorry, the, the reason I actually asked the question of you as a, as a full backline member is because it, it, it was blatantly obvious to me over their last two games that I wouldn't call it a cynical founding but I thought that they were I suppose getting away with hmm. excessive excessive kind of hurly action you know what I mean okay yeah yeah <laughs> like, so, so when you mentioned out the teams there and certain I suppose characteristics of said, te- said teams nothing stands out to me bare what I'm seeing in the Clare for Beckham so, like, I get yeah. you the Limerick the Limerick spare arm like they, they have kind of I'd say perfected that over the last number of years and now you see teams at an awful lot yeah. They were they were not the instigators, they were the inventors that you could say to a degree. And I, I asked you the question from a genuine from a genuine place, like as mm. a, as, a, as a cornerback man. Did you see yeah. anything? So we'll I'll I'll take the flag again, right? <laughs> no, no, no. Look, I will I will happily take the flag and I will take the flag entirely for the Colin Galvin, Ian Galvin mistake, because oh, yeah. my head was rooted in my phone <sighs> at the time that it came up. I was just kinda you know yourself, you've got the Instagram questions open because we're in the middle of question season at the time. And I was kinda half listening while you guys were mm-hmm. answering. And then I see all these Ian Galvin comments coming down yeah. along in the YouTube. Yeah. And then there was a couple of tweets and I went, Oh, he said Ian, not Colin, didn't he? Yeah, and I was the same because uh I was picking Picture and column and all when I was saying Ian, but I suppose just at the moment with Ian Galvin being to the fore, it's kind of just I suppose slip of the tongue. I don't know what you're going to call it, but you're um, sacked. Come on. Out of here. Come on. <laughs> Blasphemy. Two, two different lads on next week now. How could I? Jesus. Oh, look. It wasn't my proudest week either, Scale. In the middle of the crappy quiz during the week, the pressure kind of kicks on when a hurling question comes up and the lads are going, well, we've got the host of the hurling pod here, so he'll definitely do well in this round. And, of course, I'm kind of half listening and Mick is reading the questions. He's sitting in as a quiz master this week. And basically what I hear is, goals in the championship this year so of course I'm trying to like keep my paper away from Nathan Murphy as much as possible who's sitting beside me and I've got the head down and I'm writing down every championship goal that I can think of this year not even thinking about it next thing the round starts I think the first question might have been a Galway answer to start I think it might have been Conor Whelan and I'm like right Leinster final Killian Buckley and next mm. thing I turn around and go 
it had to be two goals or more. Yeah. So the lesson is, kids, don't try and show off. Listen to the question properly uh, before it starts. That was or you're going to be sitting there with your hands in your head for the next five minutes. You were confused for about uh, 10 seconds. It was like, yeah, Killian Buckley did score. And then he even said <laughs> over the last two weeks. I was like, what? Over the last two weeks? What are you talking about? It was four weeks ago. But um, yeah, there's lots no, of... And I think Nathan, up- Nathan won the points in the end by basically answering once. And then by default. You're Stephen Shane yeah. then just make a ball of it. <laughs> that was it. You see, the reason I was saying the two weeks thing was... I thought the point that Mick was trying to make was the goals had to be in the All-Ireland Championship. And I was kind of going, we scored a goal in the Leinster final. You're just taking the last two weeks then for the preliminary quarterfinal and the quarterfinal. And of course, then you realise you had the question absolutely arseways at the start. And you have a wonderfully embarrassing moment when you go on to lose by one point. There you are. So that's that's me gone. That's Morph gone. And that's you gone now. So we're all sacked. Yeah, they're totally new. There's a new pod next week. Um, it's, I don't know. Hosted by Joe Canning with Tommy Welsh and Anthony Nash. It's going to be a great pod. The Hurling Pod 2.0. <laughs> uh, we'll dip into the games in a second. Uh, just a reminder as well for anyone who's joining us, if you're not already one of the people who've been following the pod throughout the year, we have our live show coming up on the 20th of July. Joe Canning is the first confirmed guest. By the time we're on next week, and my plan, without having arranged it with Paul Murphy at all, so we'll do it at the end, is to do a live show this Sunday after the semi-finals. We'll have an announcement about some more guests at that point as well, ahead of the 20th. But uh, tickets have been flying so far. It's a massive venue, so you will be able to get tickets. This is me doing some kind of false sell to say you have to race because the tickets are going to be gone. There's still plenty of tickets left, but they are going to two wonderful charities as well if you purchase a ticket. The Dylan Quirk Foundation and Focus Ireland. Focus Ireland are Borgosh Energy's uh, charity for the year. And we, we really wanted as a group to support the Dylan Quirk Foundation, um, especially after they weren't allowed to put in the jerseys for the Limerick Tipperary game earlier this year so if you come along in the night not only are you going to have a really entertaining night a few days out from the All-Ireland Final uh, you're also supporting two uh, really good charities as well Um, so we've that to look forward to we've got these two semi-finals to look forward to this coming weekend Um, maybe we start off with the game on Saturday we'll do them in in order uh, across the weekend so Limerick against Galway Skell I don't have to remind you the last three times the teams have met Limerick have come out on top very little between the sides, though. So 2022, 27 to 121. 2020, 27 points to 24. Three points both times around. And then the All-Ireland Final, 316 to 218 back in 2018. So, like, there has been only a puck of a ball between the teams. And even when you think back to last year, eight or nine minutes to go, when Monaghan sticks over a point for Galway, Galway were actually leading in that game last year. Yeah, I, I think, I suppose, <clears throat> I remember last year... Uh, I can't remember what minute it happened, but it was kind of we got off to a really bad start this year. Aaron Glenn was causing awful, awful hassle under the the Hogan kind of canal side, and I remember they put up a picture. I think Bill Murray could have been actually in attendance, and they put up a picture, and there was a big kind of roar and cheer of the Limerick crowd. And I was saying, this is this is awkward. Now we, we could be in for a drubbing here, you know, the way things were transpiring. But ultimately, we the boys grounded out and they kept going. Brian got a, got a, a good goal after halftime. The next game became a battle and we had opportunities to win that game. We came away from that. You know when you play really, really good teams, top teams, and you know you could you could have got that one. That was one where I came away from going, geez, we could we could we could have snuck that game because we had chances and we performed very well. Like and I, I can always take getting beaten when we perform well. I can't take getting beaten when we perform bad. Um, and we performed fierce well. But ultimately, it came down to probably their bench had more of an impact than ours. 
Whereas in this year, I'm hoping that our bench has, has probably closed the gap a bit there. Um, you said that they've, they've beaten us three, three in a row. Like the count is, is Limerick eight, Galway four. Um, like we haven't beaten them since 2005. So 18 years is a long time to, 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 to go without beating the county. Um, and like, like I said, we've played them a few times since. So like we're in... We're in for it. It's a very, very tough ask. Like I'm not, I'm not going to beat around the bush here and say I'm extremely confident. Like I'm not confident. I'm semi-confident that we can produce the performance. Um, but if, I, if you ask me, are they going to win? Like I can't say it with full certainty because of the, the juggernaut that they're going facing. It's going to be a very tough, tough game. But I will say, interesting. I just went back through the numbers for, for Limerick to see. You know how there's kind of a, a somewhat of a perception, even though they've won the Munster final, that they've kind of mm-hmm. regressed a touch. Like their, their concession rate is actually down. It's, it's, it's better. Even though they've lost Declan Hannon and lost Sean Finn, they've conceded less in this year's championship. Like, I, I actually couldn't believe that. I thought when I went through the numbers, I'd see that it went up because they've lost uh, such two such influential people. Declan's in and out, you, you know what I mean, right? Their scoring rate has come down, right? So they had a, they had a points differential last year. And on average, they were winning three, three, two, three and a half points, whereas this year it's, point, it's point 0.7. So the gap has come down. So I'm hopeful that we can keep it to a, a, a tight, tight game. Um, sorry, first, sorry. I'm hoping we beat them by ten points. Not going to happen. <laughs> so, in, in in other things, I, I we keep keep it to tight game. Um, it's in the matchup side of things. In like it comes a question of clientele, and you know, last year we had Dahi at fullback, but he's been so good at centre back this year. Do we rejig our team to try and nullify theirs? I I'd be always in a big believer of trying to get some matchups right. Yeah, but I, I wouldn't want to rejig our team too much because Dahi's been so good and and forceful at, at six. So have we to put him back to go to Glen? a chance Darren Morrissey, Darren Morrissey on someone as effective as Glenn and put 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 Mac on Flanagan. There's a lot of questions to, to answer and like no one can answer them here until we see the ball thrown in on, on Saturday. Um, but look, here's to hoping it's going to be a good game. Do you want to take up that point, Murph, about what they do about the marking on Glenn? Because last year, Glenn got eight points. I think six of them were from play. It was Dimmer Burns who had a lot of the freeze for Limerick in that yeah. uh, game against Galway. So obviously they need to try and stop him this time around. He was so influential, particularly when the game was uh, in the melting pot late on last year. Do Galway make a switch, given that they're obviously they've made that 3-6 uh, change this season already? Do they consider putting Dahi back there to mind the house? Or what way would you approach this? Um, I would I'm kind of split between two minds here now at the moment like my, my first initial thought is to think that Galway yes absolutely you're going to have one or two things that Galway will want to implement in the game but I wouldn't think that they should implement they should pick maybe one or two things that these are definitely things we need to do but let's not go and do three, four, five things where we're completely yep. restructuring what our team is just to react to what Limerick might do. Um, I would trust the defence. Like One thing I've seen from, from Galway at the moment, which seems to be, okay, like Tipperary game wasn't a, a great game, but there was nuggets you were taken from it, whereby um, there was indications that Galway's defence was really starting to be kind of shoring up in, in, in places. And the places that I, I thought was really good was they're tracking back and coverage of, let's say, when the ball goes back in over their head, they're half-back line tracking back and their midfield and half-forwards to extent getting back and that allows the full back line to actually play with a bit of freedom because they know, OK, if I'm in a foot race here with Gillan, I can just spoil it, spoil it, spoil it and wait for the, the fire brigade to come then in terms of lads coming in and crowding out the area. So they seem to have a bit of an understanding there. So with that, I would be saying that go Grealish. Or go, I'd say probably go Grealish anyway. Um, Darren Morrissey seems to be kind of more a bit of a, a player, nice and tidy player, you know, gets through a lot of work, but he's really comfortable kind of coming out with the ball and kind of supports the play as you develop out the field. So I think he'll want maybe Grealish to sit in. I wouldn't, I wouldn't sacrifice... Um, I wouldn't sacrifice Dahi Burke to bring him back there. He's doing a, 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 he's having a really good influence at centre back there for Galway, and where 
where I think it, like, just driving forward his ball control what I saw against Kilkenny that was brilliant was he's just, he's just such a calm presence on the ball where he'll get the ball into his hand you know pop it off 99% of what Dahi Burke does is really simple stuff and he just gets the play back on again for Galway so I wouldn't stem his influence on the game by putting him back into the full back line I'd leave him out there and we even see him popping up with a point or two or even a goal against Dublin whereby he knows the moment to kick on and go forward which is a great attribute to have in a centre back so I would leave him there and I'd leave him there with the pretense that okay the ball goes in over his head Dahi should have the freedom to go running back towards goal and help out as he would be you know well experienced in but you know, the midfielders, the Tommy Monaghan's and these lads have to go and cover, cut off um, whoever's going to be centre forward. Let's say it's Keane Lynch or whoever it is, Tom Morrissey, whoever it's going to be, that they have to go there and cut off his players so Dahi has the freedom to go and do that. So I would trust, I, I, if I was Henry, I'd say, look at lads, because for Limerick to, or for Claire, Galway to go and win this match, they actually have to go and play with a bit of freedom. And part of hurling with that freedom, I think, is having a belief that you're capable of going beating Limerick. And one of the indications in the run into the game is that you don't implement so many things before the game that it looks like you're panicking and looks like you're afraid of Limerick, where you just go, no, we've the players here. I fully believe it. You know, really, you go on them there, take them, on we go. Whoever's marking them, if, and if someone else is marking them, if Darren Morrissey, if you're marking them for a few minutes, no problem. But just once we get a chance to, you know, to, to, to get our structure back, we'll do that. But I think the, the big thing for Galway here to do is to start on the front foot, be positive, trust your backs, and, and play with a very positive, aggressive manner, you know? Yeah. Skell, I think the defending was improved big time. Now, we can take Tipperary's flatness into account here, but compared to the Leinster final, Galway looked a lot better structurally in that game against Tipperary than they did in the Leinster final where they coughed up a few goals. Yeah, I agree. Like, we spoke here last week, um, or the week previous, before the game, that it was a genuine concern of mine. I would have put probably that as as top of the list for the work-ons uh, falling on from the Leinster final. And it was really positive to see how they actually worked on it, implemented it, which is tough to do now. It's hard, it's hard to implement, you know, a, a major fi- uh, a fix like that into a system when you come off the back of a, a quite a disappointing run. Four goals was very disappointing. Like, it's hard to remember a day when we can see the four goals last. Um, but ultimately, when I, when I think back to the Tipperary game, I can think... Now, the goal, for me, was a bit of a freak one. You know, that was kind of... We were the makers of our own downfall of that one. But I can only think of one shot maybe from Alan Tynan, <clears throat> I think in the, in the second half, whereby they got through us. You know, I think Norm McGrath opened up a bit of a split pass, Tynan got in, it ultimately went wide. Um, so like from, from that perspective, you would say they didn't get through us an awful lot once, you know, in the whole game. Whereas on the, on the far side, we got in six, seven times. So there was opportunities arising there. The thing I'd be, I suppose the work on from this game is, yes, keep tight at the back. That's an essential. We can't, we can't give up Anthem loose. But in this, in this instance now, from the last day, with two of our forwards, you can score. Um, our midfield didn't score so if we're going to be successful like we have to A keep keep a, a continuance of, of the defensive structure and B we need to take those chances so if we get an opportunity whereby we get six goal opportunities which I don't think we'll get <laughs> truthfully speaking but let's say we get two opportunities a goal or three we've got to take 100% efficiency those we need those goals um, because like as we know we, Limerick still haven't gone away with the shot the shot count they're still hitting 45-50 shots in a game uh, and they're shooting from all distance, like so. We're going to have to match that. Now their efficiency has dropped a touch, right? I, I'll admit that. However, for us, I think we're going to have to score two goals. We could sort of scored one last year. They scored twenty-seven points. A lot of freezes, as you said, away from Jimmy Burns. Um, but we just need to get, let's say, for me, eight to fifteen have to score, and that's, that sounds like a lot. It is, but like when you, if you limit, uh, let's say, seven right frees, seven islands, that's a given. Like, that's going to happen every day. It's just like same with TJ, same with Tony Kelly. You're going to get seven right frees. So where are we going to get, let's say, 2.15 or 2.17? When you start looking for that, like you can't, kind of realize I can do it by myself. 
there has to be you have to, have to spread the load and that's that's going to take six seven people to get that done because when you see Limerick beaten um, or even close to being beaten there's an awful lot, there's, an, there's an array of scores in the opposition and an array and so that has to happen that's that's an essential for me this this, this week from moving from Tipperary into the Limerick game we need more uh, more scores on the board yeah I mean how much of a step is it Murph like last week you know a lot of the focus after the game came on how Tipperary didn't perform but how much more difficult is it to play against this Limerick team compared to say Tipperary for Galway like how big is that step coming into this Saturday um, it's yeah look it is it's, it's certainly a bigger step um, but I think it's a bigger step that focuses the mind really well like you know um, Galway going to play Tipperary Look, their minds would have been focused because Tipperary looked sharp against Offaly. I know people might say, OK, well, Offaly weren't at the standard of Tipperary, but nevertheless, Tipperary looked sharp. And, you know, inevitably, if Galway didn't go and perform, they're out of the championship. So you always have that that kind of, you know, really, I suppose, focuses the mind. But the, the thing is here, you know, after the Tipperary game, if I was in the Galway dressing room, I'd be kind of saying, look, whatever's happened to this date, be it losing the Leinster final, be it playing Tipperary, whatever, at the start of the year, January 1st, if someone said to you, you're going to be in an All-Ireland semi-final, you're going to be facing Limerick, that, I'm not going to tell you what the rest of the year. You'd go, we'll take that. Because now we're in the bo- we're in the last four, and we have a chance of winning an All-Ireland final. And Galway have a chance of winning an All-Ireland final here, absolutely. Um, and I would say, like coming into this game this year, they're far closer to Limerick than they were last year. But we even saw last year that they were right up there with Limerick, but just didn't couldn't close it out. Um, but the challenge in itself, because it's the time of the year it's at now, like Kenny will have forgotten about the Leinster final at this stage and said, look, that's the Leinster final. Clare will have forgotten about all their previous games. You're now in Crow Park and all are in semi-final and the games take on a different feel altogether. They, come, they feel completely different. So that's why I think this now for Galway, Galway would have just been happy, get over Tipperary, okay, big victory against your rivals and all this. But inevitably, it was just the fact that now we're where we want to be. We're playing a team that if we want to win the All-Ireland, we're going to have to beat these lads anyway. And we're probably coming in under the radar because it wasn't a great game against Tipperary. Similarly enough to when we played Cork in 2019, people were like, okay, you bet them, but you're not good enough to go and beat Limerick. So I think it's actually ideal for Galway in that respect, for their preparation, that people are going, yeah, they they bet Tipperary grand, but they're not at the pace. They're not up to the standard for Limerick. That's ideal if you're a Galway supporter because the last thing you'd want is Galway going out blitzing Tipperary beating them by 15 or 20 points and then people bigging you up for two weeks before you go into a Limerick game with you know real high hopes Galway will, would have wanted kept that just to the dressing room the belief and maybe the bit of arrogance that you can go out there and take a scalp off Limerick they'd want to they would have wanted to just constrain that to the dressing room so um, it, it's, it's definitely a bigger challenge but I always find that these ones were ones that focused the mind so well that they actually they probably draw that extra 5 or 10% out of you because you know you're playing such an important team Hmm. Scal, do you agree with this contention? Murphy just said that it feels like Galway are a bit closer to Limerick this year. Um, Henry Shefflin framed it in a slightly different way when he was asked on Casey Lawr after the game last weekend. And what he said was he feels like we're in a better place than we were when we played Cork this time last year. So yeah. do you feel like Galway are that bit closer to Limerick this season than, say, getting ready for semi-final weekend last year? Like I, I would agree with what Murph was saying there because <clears throat> there was um, there's a lot of similarities like f- from from last year to this year because you as you remember like we came through the Leinster Championship didn't perform great in the Leinster final lost that didn't come into the Cork game probably was a poor game below in Thurles and we got through Cork and I think pe- a lot of people had back Cork to beat us and we came into a position where we were in a semi final uh, playing Limerick who I think were in a better position last year I think it's, to be fair and we put up a great performance like so so even that gives me confidence moving forward and I do think there. are 
a couple of steps. Uh, they're, they're going down the road a bit more, but I think they're probably a few percent better than where they were this time last year. Maybe that's because they've got like new players got brought in last year. The management is it's a continuation, same in their second year. Um, and I don't think Limerick, as I said to you before, I don't think it's the case of Limerick regressing an awful lot. I just think the pack has closed the gap a good bit. Um, and it's not quite as, it doesn't have the dominant feel that it had last year. In fairness, I, I know I was I was speaking in jest last year about, oh, we're going to win, we're going to win this. And even on the roadshow prior, I said, yeah, definitely go. But in truth, like I was I was hopeful, you know, that we, and, or wishful as, as opposed to expectant. Whereas even now, this this week, I'm kind of, I wouldn't say I'm wishful, but I'm, I'm expecting a good performance uh, and the result will take care of itself because semi-finals are for winning, regardless of who's in front of you. So because it's Limerick, fair enough, yeah. But like, go, we have to go and do what go, we do. And that's just play fast, play skill, play hard and, and, and see where it takes you. And like, I'm, I'm confident they will produce performance because they've shown evidence last week. And look, granted, it wasn't the best game. It wasn't the most free-flowing game we've seen in the most championship, you know, previous type of games. But I still saw enough from our guys to say that, yeah, we can we can mix no problem here. And it's just, as I said, more, you're dead right. Semi-finals have a much different feel. I don't know. It's hard yeah. to actually verbalise what, what it is. <laughs> it's hard yeah. to say. But every game has a different feel. Uh, provincial Championship is different. Quarter-final... Semi-final is like, right, this is the last step before we get to the final. And it's like nearly, it's, the biggest sigh of relief is like from semi-final to final. Do you know what I mean? Mm, if you go to yeah. semi-final, it's a huge sigh of relief. So it has this kind of, it nearly, it's like a nervous energy morph, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, absolutely, like, yeah. And in the first five minutes, you'll know how this game is going to go. I, mm. I always feel that. I always feel in the first five or six minutes, you'll, you'll know the feel, right? We're in this, this is going to be a fight all day. Or mm. we're on it or not on it, etc. And uh, so that's, it's very hard for us, for me and me personally, to judge yeah, we're going to beat Limerick, but I know after the first couple of minutes if we're if we're in it. Like same way Tipperary last week, I said, yeah, we're, we're pretty good. That was from thirty seconds from the throw in when I saw the Joe Cooney fist bump from quite mm. from quite a quiet guy. So I'm hoping to see that uh, two fold come the Saturday. <laughs> Murph, we've talked already last week, and this has been signposted a couple of weeks out that Declan Hannon uh, wasn't going to be available for the semi final. We'll see what happens uh, towards the final if Limerick were to qualify. But this week, they've had to make plans. So far in the last week, I've been told by people who apparently know and are in the know that at this stage, Kyle Hayes has been training at number six. Willow Dunahoo has been training at number six. Apparently, Dermot Burns has trained a bit at number six. Morrissey has come out with number six at training. So there's either a million scouts in the bushes at Limerick training and they've all got wonderful info or Kylie is trying out a million guys ahead of this. I have a feeling we won't know until probably before the teams line out and maybe even after the teams have been named who's actually going to drop in at number six for this weekend. Yeah, no, like, I mean, anybody who thinks outside of the group within Limerick that uh, you know what they're going to do on Saturday evening, <laughs> like, not to call you a fool, but you're a fool because, I mean, to my knowledge, our Limerick, Limerick trends are behind closed doors, obviously, at the moment. Um, and I always remember down through the years, you'd hear savage rumours and, like, off-the-wall stuff. And I know people might go, but it's not off-the-wall to say, you know, Kyle Hayes is at centre-back or, or Willow Dunahoo is at centre-back. It's not. But at the same time, if those things never happened, like there'd be Limerick lads going around, Limerick players going, who's making up this stuff? Because there's lads as well, I fully believe, that just throw stuff out there and see how far the rumour will go. But I wouldn't be surprised well, to see so, any of those. So far this year, Murph, I've heard TJ mm. Reid has left the Kilkenny panel. Um, you get all this type of stuff. I think yeah, Gerald yeah. Hegarty's left the Limerick panel four times if it was yeah. based on DMs that you get during the year. Yeah, absolutely. And sure, we had a whole week there in the run into one of the games. I can't remember. Was it Waterford game or whichever one it was? And uh, Geroad Hegarty had left the panel. Um, like, this is obviously on a much smaller scale, but um, I, I'm i keeping my mind open as to who's going to arrive at centre-back because 
like what Paul Knurk and what John Kiley think and how they view the game and how they view what they want to implement is completely different to me looking going who replaces Declan Hannon. Like I might look at it from the point of view, say, who does as close a job to Declan Hannon that will fit in there? Whereas that mightn't be what they're thinking. They might think, listen, we really want to have a springboard of an attack from centre back. We want to hit Galway with something they're not expecting and hit him hard. And then suddenly you see Kyle Hayes there where I'm going, oh, I expected to see Dermot Burns. So I just, I think we won't know till about 10 minutes in even into the game to who's actually going to go centre back because you could have the, you could have the example where Galway don't show their hands straight away from the throw and where the forwards go everywhere because you know that Limerick are going to try and tie down Conor Whelan. So Conor Whelan might hang out around the centre centre forward spot. They might be all in a ball. We often did it with Tipperary years ago where it was just a cluster of lads running around after each other and there was no shape to it because no team wanted to show for two or three minutes, for the sake of two or three minutes, what you're going to do to cause a bit of confusion and maybe get an early goal. You know, maybe that's what you're going to do. So um, any of these rumours, I wouldn't buy into them too early, to be honest. Just as a player who played primarily cornerback, I know you played a bit of wing back as well and you're probably happy enough to go out and track a player or do a job on someone if Cody had said go follow someone. If there is that type of chaos, with the exception of, say, the year where Lark Corbett stuck on Tommy and walked around everywhere with him, but obviously people will move around, particularly in the early stages of the game. As a defence, how do you actually deal with that? If you're told I'm detailed on player X, say, I don't know, you're meant to be following Ford today, and next thing Ford ends up out wing forward and you're not quite sure, Bonner Maher's dropped into the inside line. How as a defence do you make a decision then about who's going to pick up who? Well, usually before a game, like we would just say you pick up whoever. So you either have two plans, really. Pick up whoever or there's lads who are going man-marking. There was times, I think, like, let's say, 20, uh, 2012 in the semi-final against Tipperary we we all man-marked somebody so everybody was man-marking someone for that game um, but then for another time you might play them there might be only two lads man-marking so like when we played them it was actually the unusual thing yeah of Lar Mark took, took up Tommy and that was unusual but then let's say fast forward 2014 final and the first game you know Bonner Mar got a bit of traction coming through the middle and I remember Mick Dempsey coming into me early saying, you go out, follow Bonner Mar everywhere. So you're like, grand, I'm going on Bonner. So if I turn up left half back, well, that's fine. That's my job. And then players know that anything can happen within this space. But, you know, Paul is going to be following Bonner Mar, And that's to say, so he's at full back. If he's at whatever, that's where he's going. So you'd, you'd have to communicate that before the game because it's chaos. Like the one thing a defence does not like is chaos. Uh, you want structure. You want to know what's happening. So before the game, generally we'd you'd fire things to lads. And like actually, it's probably something I'll touch on in the dressing room when we're doing the tour. Is that you go over and you have a word with a fella. You might say to Tommy, like I used to go to Tommy. Listen, Tommy, you go and compete, and I'll be right behind you if the ball breaks. And he knows. Then he knows I can go and compete, whatever. Or if he says, listen, Lara's going to drift into the corner. I'll I'll follow him into the corner. You go out wing back. You've spoken about it. So when it happens. It doesn't, it doesn't knock you off your pace like, or it doesn't confuse you or it doesn't give you a bit of concern because you've spoken about it. So I would be saying that like Limerick or Galway in this instance, I'd say all four teams over the weekend, they'll have contingencies for everything. Like, so they'll be like, oh, if I go Conor Whelan, what if he goes out past the 65, do I follow him? And the, the management will say yes or no. They'll say no. If he goes past the 65, leave him out there. He's not dangerous. You go back in. So all these conversations will be had in, in the run into this. Um, and as many contingencies as possible will have been spoken about. The, like, the likelihood of, what if Lynch turns up at centre-forward, but, you know, Cahill O'Neill was there to start. Well, we need someone to go at Lynch. What if 
Limerick go two players in the full forward line uh, and it's Flanagan and Galan. Will someone go with Casey? But what if Casey and Galan are there? Well, we need someone to save Flanagan as well. So, like, this is all the conversations players are having every night they meet up during the week. This is what they're speaking about because it just creates a foundation of belief and an understanding that in the chaos of the match, when you see something happening in front of you that you weren't expecting, there's a bit of calmness when it happens because you probably discussed it. Mm. I think that's inter- very interesting as well, Skell, because you know last year I'm sure there were plenty of teams who were thinking, let's try and keep Adrian Mullen as far away from goal as we possibly can. And next thing he goes off on this withdrawn role and you're not quite sure if you should track him out to midfield. And then if you don't go out and track him, he can do what he did in the All-Ireland semi-final last year and pick off five points in play. Yeah, but I think let's say you're talking about a special player, like I say, who has that ability, like he... His, his armour is huge. Like he can shoot from distance, he can cover ground, that man can tackle, he can play as an inside forward. So like he's got an awful lot of strings to his bow. And I think let's say from a defensive perspective, when you you're talking about, you know, situations it's either scenario based or it's personnel based. So like like Murphy said there, if you're told man mark that let him go where he wants, that's personnel based, you're ashamed with him. And scenario based is, is like there's loads of different options, you know, as you said, Murph. But Adrian Mullen let's say was kind of a good bet. Uh, you know, by Cody last year, and he hedged his bets, and the, the bet was successful, and it was something that us probably in, in the media side of things and opposition players didn't expect, and it, it came to fruition for Kenny, and they, they got a lot of you know traction off that, and actually, would you believe it allowed? You know, I know Adrian got a lot of points, he got an All Star, he was really good in that, in that role, but he actually fed a lot of people, he assisted, you know, he was quite effective in, in the overall Kenny play, so it wasn't just him being isolated to a, a wing forward role, popping a couple of points. He was withdrawn. He was a huge puck out outlet for Owen Murphy. I can picture three or four in my head from the Minister final that were seriously effective, um, and like that was that was the benefit of having a chance to this and, and a coming off, you know. So like, there's things that might happen as on, over the weekend where managers or each 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 management team might look at it and say, right, let's let's try implement this situation or this scenario, and it might work. <laughs> it might work. It might have yeah. to be abandoned after five minutes. You know, we've I've been part of games and say whereby we we would have. You know, talked about a scenario or a situation, tried to implement it early, didn't work, and you just have to abort. You know, abort mm-hmm. after ten minutes and just go back to you know to brass tacks or, or orthodox even. So that's a, a very like a, a, a possible thing to, to happen this this uh, this weekend. But that's the beauty of sport as well as I know we we look at it for just fifteen on fifteen. But like when you when you're into tactics like we are and into analysis and to see what kind of opposition management teams have implemented to try and break down the others, like it's really interesting from from that perspective. So I am eagerly awaiting to see what Limerick are going to do a for the defensive setup and b for uh, for Conor Whelan. Uh, well, we spoke about it last week. You'd imagine you'd imagine it'll be it'll be my Casey and the centre back role. I've I've actually. I've come away from what I said, you know, two weeks ago about the German Burns. I genuinely don't know. Like you, you, you said there when there's four or five options, and like there's pros and cons to every option. And who knows? Knorr and Kylie's management team might turn around and say, right, we've actually got a different dimension to our game if we put in X player or Y player, mm-hmm. or we can change things around. So I have no idea who's going to be centre back. I think if Dahi Burke, you know, like for example, if he Torchwood had went down straight away, I think I think the world knows it's Gareth McInerney, isn't it? You know, yeah, or, or Joseph Cunha said, depending what. What other personality available? But in this instance, I haven't got a clue. And look, that's the beauty of tactics. That's the beauty of sport, personnel. Here we are. It's given us little, little nuggets to talk about. Uh, wouldn't it be awful boring if we didn't? So, yeah. Oh, it surely would. And this is thing, like, Hannon has been such a mainstay since he's gone to six. Yes. And he's yes, missed yeah. very little hurling while he's been there. So that's why this becomes an intriguing little kind of side narrative for the week. Um, Paul, it was also uh, one of the left field ones that we got on the Instagram questions. Uh, Paul G83 said this one. What about Reedy at six for Limerick? Great passer. Could sit in well there. What do you think? 
Yeah, like there's there's nothing off the table here, and particularly in the modern game, that um, a player who's comfortable on the ball in that situation and is is able to carry it through uh, congested areas. That's that's a really big trait of a player here. Like I mean, Hannon has his size, and you know, quite often has a physicality to to just barge through those areas, like at, with momentum. You know, whereas a smaller player, let's say like Reedy, you'd be kind of saying that okay, he mightn't have Hannon's size, but he has. You know, he's a great pair of hands on him. He's fast. He's a great sidestep. He'd be able to still maneuver through those areas. Like another player that I wouldn't be overly surprised seeing would be the likes of Barry Nash, seeing him out centre back because Barry Nash is a great player going forward. Like it's remarkable to say about a cornerback, incredible player going forward who potentially, let's say, Limerick might look at it and go, actually, we have, you know, an embarrassment of riches here of fullbacks. Why don't we just embrace that? Have we know Mike Casey's going to mark Connor Whelan? Let's say we have Morrissey there. We'll have Morrissey, and then we'll bring in Richie English, who is an outstanding cornerback. Let's bring him in there. And you know what? Barry Nashby now at centre back, he could carry serious ball for us through the middle there. Going forward, he could pop up with three or four points. And the thing is, as well, which I think, particularly at this time of the year and Limerick having the four weeks off, is that <coughs> players will sometimes develop in training where you're going, actually, like that player's really going well. How can we use them? in our team maybe they're just not making our, our team over the last while but now they're showing traits that it's nearly undeniable you have to use them so like the likes of Barry Nash might be popping up and training with five points you're there going Jesus lads we have a corner back there who you know well used to playing up in the forwards why don't we you know deploy him a little bit further up the field maybe at centre back so there's a variety of options there and I've seen them over the years like Skell when we played G in 2014 in Portleash or not Portleash in Tullamore and uh, we played G we drew the game the following week Conor Fogarty had been going really well and training the whole time, but had been kind of in corner back, in wing back, not really getting the place. And the boys identified that we needed someone to disrupt Galway around the middle and just get involved and get flicks and blocks and has an engine that'll go for the 70 minutes. And they deployed Conor Fogarty there. And we hadn't, he hadn't been playing there really. And it was an inspired move and he just took to it altogether. Mm-hmm. So I believe that like these four weeks off, particularly for Kilkenny and Limerick who have, have had the four weeks, they may have seen one or two players in training putting their hand up going... They're, they're showing lads and we have to almost reward them with a, with, with a starting place and, and and also players who have been starting might be showing features that do you know what Kyle Hayes could be going or William O'Donoghue could be going really well at centre back let's get him in there lads so I'm not I won't be surprised if Anton I'm intrigued and I'm looking forward to seeing what develops at that centre back role for Limerick and how they utilise the, the opportunity here really Flip side to this girl who do you put in from a Galway perspective to maybe try and disrupt whoever ends up at centre half back for them I, I that's a good question and I, I was thinking about this because either it's going to be A a ball player a good player and an athlete or B you know I suppose a, a strength based individual first so like Keenan Fahey was 11 for Galway last week and I thought he was in a different world because Ronan Matter had a tendency to sit off let's say so I, I can't see the Limerick lads sitting off too deep um, this is, I'd, I'd like to see a player you know, a ball player let's say I always, what do I call them like a connector so mm-hmm. someone that's going to actually ask a question of the six, because whoever plays the six, albeit they might play there for the club, they might have done, let's say, underage, but when you put them out in Ireland semi-final under intense pressure against an organised team, it's a different kettle of fish. Like, So I want to really ask that person questions. So I'm thinking, if you just go toe-to-toe, stand beside them and lump the ball down, doesn't quite ask the man questions. Some physical questions, yeah, but not really mental questions. Ask them to make decisions. Ask them to make calls. Ask them to put them in kind of no man's land. You know what I mean? Try draw them out. Try put them in. Just play with them a small bit. So I would like to see a bit of a player. And you might you might see Evan there. Like Evan is a really good ball player, really strong for the size of him and a shooter. So if we get a shooter out there, it might hey we've to draw, we have to push up here. And these lads. So 
the big thing for me is that and I know what they will like the Galway management are, are, are clever people and they will be looking at this, this situation in Limerick and saying, right, let's try and expose this. Because you're looking for chinks in their armour, you're looking for weaknesses. And so when you're missing clientele, you, got, you have to fill gaps. Then naturally, you're going to go for that weakness. You know what I mean? I remember, like, in the 12 SRR and final morph when uh, the replay, when Wally Walsh came in, we as a group had no idea who this guy was. Never mm. heard of him, never seen him. I don't even know did he play in the league that year. Maybe he did, but mm. we didn't have a clue. And let's say we were... You were kind of, uh, you know, you weren't really a long ball team into your full fo- into your corner forwards. Which mean, you, you, you often hit long ball wrong. But this mm. thing, Wally Walsh comes in, long ball comes in. He asked serious questions of our defence, and yeah. it, it worked out wonders for you. Like, that was a really inspired move. So I'd say what what Cody and his management team did back then is what Henry and his management team will be trying to do now. Look for avenues, look for areas that we can try and exploit. Because there's not a lot less for Limerick. There's not a lot of avenues to exploit in, in, yeah. in, in their game. Mm-hmm. Like, so you have to look for the one percenters and, and try and really hone in on that. Because there's a couple of non-negotiables you'll, you'll have, you know, work rate, attitude, all that jazz, right? That's, that's going to... But then what's the little extra nuggets we can do? Where can we ask serious questions? And I'm thinking six. Try and ask six. Um, I can't see Willard Dunahoo going in there because he's too effective for the midfield. He's like a little, a little like he's like a huge, you know, ball breaker out there. I don't mean that mm. physically ball breaker. He's a good, yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? He's, well, he is, he's both. He's, he's yeah. a good ball breaker for everyone. Figuratively and, and yeah. realistically, yeah. yeah well, I yeah. saw a cartoon where he was up as the Terminator and that possibly is a good explanation of him. If it was good, actually. I, I like the ingenuity mm. of it. I thought it was quite good. And look, it's applicable. It's, 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 you know, it's truthful because he's so he's so effective. Like, we've seen him demolish lads left, right and centre in midfield there for the last number of years. And he's a key cog in, in, in the Limerick machine. So I can't see him taking him, you know, take, coming out of that area. Um, but yeah, so like, to answer your question, I, I, I just throw a bolter and I horse in Evan Island and try and play him and get him to shoot. You love a bolter, don't you? I just can't get away from them. Like, I just like, <laughs> I just like, if it comes to him going, yeah, that could actually happen. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That could actually happen. Now, as your management career goes further forward here, is this something you're likely to do in your manager? You sit there and go, Do you know what? Throw him in. Yeah. <laughs> I, truth be speaking, yeah, like something come into my head, and that's why I need people around me to go, Hey, lad, you're mad. <laughs> you're <dead. laughs> this maybe is not the best course of action here. You know, like my school principal, right? Uh, in the national school Michael Walsh he used to say to me when I was 8 or 9 years of age he said Jesus Christ James will you think before you act <laughs> he used to say to me in national school so same way in management Jesus done maybe maybe I shouldn't act too soon but yeah I'm liable to do something something crazy like even Murphy you were saying about lads going and training there I was going to ask you a question have you ever had someone who let's say was in the forwards and actually just bang played in backs one day and became a back or vice versa have you ever had anyone like, like where Jesus lads go in the backs or, or, do you know what I mean um, yeah, like I mean, Park Welch is probably the obvious one. Like Park was playing out and out, really in the forwards. He, like a lot of people, would actually argue that Park Welch probably played himself out of an All Star in 2014 because he played in so many positions that he wasn't your left half forward for the year, or he like he finished the right half back, but he played against Yee at midfield and he played at left half forward another day. But he was one of the ones whereby when he first came in, it was out and out. He was in the forwards, and then yeah. just kind of started arriving into the backs and you're there going why, why is he playing with the club there I can't remember where Park used to really play like but um, I always remember him in training certainly when he came in first it was he was out and out, out forward but then there was no there was no savage boulders it wasn't like Michael Breen going to full back or anything like that it was um, it was very gradual I would say and uh, there were, like if you think of our teams over the years there were, like, granted we would have thrown in the odd Walter Walsh um, 
maybe he wouldn't have known the name and he'd start. But very few times would you have seen someone going from like left corner forward to play in Barry Richie Hogan, let's say, going play in midfield mm-hmm. um, or something like that. So not in, no, no. We used to keep it, I suppose, as, as the stereotype would go, we used to keep it fairly basic now. Um, and that, that's probably well known about us. Like, but uh, there was never any savage bolters there for lads. Because at the same time, for periods there, there was a queue of lads for each position anyway. Like, you know, yeah. so... Bolters, bolters. Then were kind of like you weren't you weren't short of someone in a position where you were looking to try and pigeonhole someone else into it. You know, when Scal mentions as well, uh, Paul, about the fact that Galway were very unaware about what Wally Walsh was going to do when he came in. Were you guys very aware of what he would be able to do if he was given the chance? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we were because, uh, like, if you look at a lot of players now, there's so many players that are six foot five, six foot six. I think Wally's six six, but. Uh, it, Back, you know, there wasn't many players six foot six around then, like, you know, not to say that it sounds like it's years ago or anything like, but it is a big trait at the moment. You could name, you know, five or 10 players fairly quickly now that are six foot five at senior level at the moment. But um, I think it was the fact that we knew what he was capable of. We were all surprised, like, we knew it was when they literally turned over the sheet um, on the board on the Friday night before the final. And we were going Walter Walsh. And nobody more so in the room was going Walter Walsh than Walter Walsh. He was going, Jesus, I wasn't expecting this. And I don't think they told him anything about it. Like, I don't even think they told him in the training that, listen, you're going to be starting, you know, wing forward on Johnny Cohen on Sunday. I don't even think he got that uh, that privilege. But um, we were surprised. And I think some of us were just going like, yeah, he's going well in training. Absolutely. Loads of lads are going well. Um, but the big thing for us was just like, you know, how will he get on? Like, as in, how will he... This is his first start for Kilkenny, and it's going to be 82,000 people in an All-Ireland final replay. Mm-hmm. And on, on on what at the time was, like, the form, one of the form defenders in the country, Johnny Cohen, like... Like, I think, Murph, I, sorry to interrupt you, Murph, I think I actually set up the events of what happened the following year, if you remember, in the replay. Cork, Cork and Clare. I think I think what, what Cody did with Walter Walsh in 2012 was a reason to Clare put in Shane O'Donnell. Mm. Full forward for the for the same that ticket. Let's let's have it and look how he turned. <laughs> how he yeah, turned yeah. out. Yeah. Like, so yeah, yeah. But it was remarkable. Like I remember, I I, I tell as a story, particularly the likes of Walter Walsh. I tell him the story just to like saying that his first match was not Ireland final. He scored one three and got man in the match and was taken off after like you know sixty two or three minutes. Like it's a remarkable story. But I, I probably said it previously as well. I know we're getting off topic now as well, but like it is remarkable that the 2012, 13 and fourteen, all the lads who won the man of the match in the replay didn't play the first day, which is a remarkable thing. Like, you know, Walter Walsh, Shane O'Donnell, Kieran Joyce, none of them were playing the first day, which is a remarkable kind of achievement to have no draw in All-Ireland finals for about 50 years or 60 years. Yeah. So suddenly you have three and then obviously Shane O'Donnell etched himself into clear history <laughs> being, coming on in that one. Like, But um, but no, yeah, Walter, I mean, Walter's achievement was something else. And like, we didn't know, to bring it back to the question, well, no, like we didn't know anything about it. It was an inspired one. Um, and I think the beauty of it was the fact that he had so little time to think about it. Like we were training, you know, half eight on a Friday night he, or nine o'clock, he gets notified. The news breaks all around to Kenny. His parents are congratulating him. I'm sure his club are absolutely delighted. I think he was maybe one of the first Tulliher Ross Burke men to play in an All-Ireland final. Uh, and the match, is in, the match is on top of you. It's Sunday. So you haven't time to think about it. And I think part of that, and maybe it was a very clever move out of the lads, out of uh, Cody and Martin Fogarty and Mick Dempsey, that it was, that actually protected them from the week of being hounded. You know, where if they told them early on or if the word got out there, you know, that maybe gave them the freedom just to go out and not think and just hurl. And, and, and as well, another point I'd say is that 
Johnny Cohen had marked a lot of lads where he was getting breaking balls and stuff, but now it was suddenly you're competing with a man in the air who's six foot six and has a background playing Leinster rugby. Like, you know, that's how do you deal with that? Like, you know, hmm. oh, it's a very, very different challenge. Yeah. I was just, I was laughing more when you run about um, no time to think, etc. Do you know where I was the day before the first game in 2012? Oh, go on. I was in the fucking bog, right? And I went down, <laughs> I went down in the morning of the game, right? Before the game. Uh, about nine o'clock and I filled an 11 by 7 trailer right who created it and I said you know what I leave it there because the bridge coming out with the bog was a bit unstable I said I better leave it now yeah. this could go this could go me right and my, my, my uncle was home from America and at about four o'clock he says you know what we'll go down and we'll fix the bridge and we, I said Martin I, I have a big game tomorrow I said, I'm not coming down there to fix that but the devil, the devil he uh, he convinced me and we went down right this is, this is the fucking Yanks again now we went down right and with a bale of straw, right, a couple of lids of four by two, and a couple of pellets, right, thinking we're going to fix a bridge with about seven or eight tons coming out over it. <laughs> now you know what happened, don't you? Bro. The bridge didn't fucking fix, and the trailer toppled. Right? <laughs> so I spent the evening trying to get this fucking trailer out. That was before the 2012 final. The night before, I fell into yeah. bed wrecked. <laughs> trying to get oh, it. Oh, and I tried to get trailer out and I had a good game the following day <laughs> and then this day he goes now see what I did for you yeah 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 the ultimate distraction you didn't spend all day yeah. Saturday walking around the house wondering what was going to happen the next day you were too You're busy right, trying yeah. to get out of the bog yeah oh, fuck yeah bless him in disguise I wouldn't actually recommend it to be honest now I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> yeah. Now, there was actually one, I remember Martin Fogarty, he was a good man to tell a story in fairness. He told me one a good few years ago whereby it was before an all Ireland final. I can't remember what it was. I think it would have been in 2014. But he went fishing the night before. He just said, he get out of the house now. We just, you know, think about the game all week. So on the Saturday evening or whatever it was, uh, went out the night before, sunny evening, and he brought sandwiches and a flask of tea with him. And he said he was sitting down by the river and it was around the same time that the match would be on the following day. And he said he was sitting there looking, going, like, sitting beside a river, nice and quiet, nobody around, peace. And he was like, tomorrow it's going to be absolute mayhem at this time. We're going to be in the middle of it. So he said he took a picture of the fishing rod and the sandwiches and he sent it on to Cody and said, uh, go on without me tomorrow, lads. I'm in a, I'm in a far more peaceful spot here <laughs> instead. <laughs> but he was just saying, he had a moment to himself where he was like, do you know, you swear there's nothing going on. And I say tomorrow morning it's going to be absolute chaos, or tomorrow at this time it's going to be mayhem. Like so, it's I'd say you could actually probably do a very good story if you ask lads where what they used, what they were doing the evening before, like genuinely the evening before all Ireland finals or big matches. You'd, you'd have some queer stories. I, I actually think more. I'm open to correction, and maybe some of the clear folk can tell me. But I think the morning of the replay in 2013, I think Pat Kelly, the goalie, actually crashed his car. Go ahead. Yeah. Now I'm open I'm I'm open to correction, but I'm pretty certain he crashed his car on the way to the game in the final and just had to leave it there, get neighbours or get whatever and get to the game. Oh, yeah. I think I think, was, I think it was the replay. I think it was the replay. Yeah. Well, hopefully someone hopefully someone might uh might add a bit more that was his way of getting a sponsored car then once he won the final, I think it was. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure someone'll correct it in the comment. Like yeah. everyone remembers the story about them getting on the bus at Houston Station and Shane O'Donnell getting the nod that he was gonna start, but um, that's might be one that went under the radar slightly. I'm sure someone probably knows in the comments. Um, one for you, Skell, coming in from Malt6 from Instagram. With a big semi-final, surely Tom Morrissey would be in the running for hurler of the year. He's been consistently excellent. Yeah, he's been he's been consistent. Uh, and I think when we, when we mentioned last week, we were saying that there's been no absolute standout national performer for Limerick at the minute. He's been, he's been good. Like, I'm not going to say, Jesus, like Tom Morrissey is a top top class yoke like but I think if he does have a good semi-final and pops up with like 
four or five points in play. He's in there for the running. Like I think from this instance, I think uh, Conor Wheel has to have a continuation of the form, which is more than capable of. And then you'll see probably more separation this weekend where, where we had like a list of, I think maybe we had five or six on Monday. I can't quite remember. We yeah. might get down to three. Do you know what I mean? For uh, after this weekend coming, but like that, I, I again, I have no issue with saying that he he can put himself. I hope he doesn't, right? But he could certainly put himself into the into the bracket. Um, as well as Camir, if the likes of Galan has another good game, he had a really good monster final. If he's another mm-hmm. good game, uh, you know he's in the bracket. Jimmy Burns, who could pop up if they have two good games to say in the final or semi-final final. Who knows? You could see people dropping off the list and, and people coming onto the list. But uh, from my perspective, I hope Conor Whelan keeps himself in front and shows on a bit more. <laughs> There's a few other questions we can keep to a little bit later. I'm trying to think of ones that are uh, relevant to this one. This isn't a question, but a comment from Tobar, who says Galway win by six points up Turlock Moore. So he's very confident. Yeah about this one um, where are you guys confidence. at this one for? it's proper confidence if Galway win by six points I hope you have it backed uh, Galway to win by six points if that's the case Murph I have a feeling I know where Scale's going to go I will ask him out of courtesy anyway but how do you see this game going Saturday night um, I don't I don't see a whole lot in it obviously enough boring statement but uh, at the moment all I can picture is kind of a draw veering towards Limerick winning by two um, like Limerick haven't set the world alight but like Skell is just saying like I mean let's say we go back to your interview after the Galway tip match where you were you were in the stands afterwards and like this, the, the, nothing has changed since then where the situation still stands where Limerick are still the top dogs in the country so like if I'm sitting here with any team now playing them this weekend you'll be going Limerick by two at the moment like you know they're still there to be toppled um, but it's uh, like I said Galway have a huge chance here because they are closer to them than they were last year they're coming in an ideal position and there's no fear like Galway won't be fearing Limerick they won't be afraid to what happens if or what happens if we don't perform or they'll they, I genuinely believe they'll give this a savage crack and where I think there's going to be big traction to be got for for Galway Last year, in about the last 15 minutes or so, Galway got huge traction, literally in the middle of the field, right in the centre. They ran right up through the middle there and they got two or three points from that area. And when we're talking about the Limerick centre-back being up for contention here, there's potential there that you may have someone who will be a little bit out of position in that area. And I think Galway can get a little bit of traction there. If they get traction there, lads will step up to crowd out the middle area and then you're creating the space inside again for the likes of Conor Whelan to potentially go and get a goal. So I think there's huge, there's huge um, carrots here for Galway to go and actually win this game. Um, and like it'll be a big one. It'll be enormous for Galway to go and actually take a scallop off Limerick here. It's going to be, I, I feel it's going to be an absolutely savage game. Really looking forward to it. But like at the moment, you'd have to just say that if I was a betting man I'd just go Limerick by about two <coughs> Skell are you as confident as Brendan is about a six point win here um, I'm, not, I'm not that confident let's be honest I wish I was um, I think the margins are going to be quite tight I'm like I'm I'm hoping we we uh, I'm obviously hoping we like it's this kind of head over heart kind of stuff but I'm looking and I'm saying right if we're going to win what's going to produce a performance for us and I think the key person would you believe to, uh, on Saturday is actually going to be Aidan Murphy the keeper He's going to have the ball in his hand about 40-odd times. So now we've got 40-odd opportunities to create something. So, like, there's no other person against Limerick gets the ball as much in their hands and they can control the game as much as the keeper in the opposition. So I think Aidan is actually absolutely vital. Like, his striking has been really good this year. His general play has been okay, but, like, he's striking. So that, that's a, that can be a platform for us. We need to find Brian Cannon, Cahill, Mannion, Tom, and these guys into space, create opportunities, and that, that's going to start with Aidan. If he can play well, you know... 
deliver really good deliveries into our midfield forwards and hopefully pick off a few long range points, get a goal or two. <laughs> Very wishful thinking here, you know. Um, look, it's going to be extremely tough, guys. I'm back in Galway all day. Like, I never go against them simply because it's where I'm from. Like, 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 was it, Jumurf? If the whole of Ireland will thank Kenny, you go for Kenny. This is it. But again, I will acknowledge it's an extremely tough ask. But there's no fear at all this side. It's just have at it. Just shackles off. I just want. To, I'd love to see the guys just go and express themselves. Don't like restrict themselves through through over tactical analysis. Just go at it. Just go at it. And if when when Galway teams go at it, and and really just just throw off the shackles, as I said, and go at it, we usually produce big performances. Will that constitute a win? Who knows? So time will tell. But I'm sticking with Galway by by the minimum margins. Yeah, I liked it if we listen back to ourselves about 15 weeks ago. At that point, we're saying Limerick have improved on last year. Teams are going to be really lucky yeah. to even be able to invite them. And now here we are with, you know, genuinely a semi-final that could go either way. Uh, yeah. Mega Man, Mega Man 1. Skell, don't forget, nine of Galway's wins are since 1987. This is on the uh, YouTube comments last week. Uh, Tip have only got six in that period. So I don't want to reopen the wounds, but Mega Mega Man was doing the numbers on uh, the lads having 22 versus nine ahead of the game last weekend in Tipperary's favour. Uh, this is a slightly different one from Nigel Redmond, 5355. Galway are the Tottenham Hotspur of hurling. So much potential over the years, but they'll always let you down when it matters most. They have no consistency whatsoever. Saying that if they beat the champs, unlikely in brackets, I hope they win the Lee McCarthy. Anyone but the banner coming in from Nigel Redmond. Uh, I wonder is Nigel from Limerick? Yeah, that's a bit of a strong statement, yeah. doesn't it? Which? That's what he said. That's, that's a bit strong, though. Yeah, like yeah. I'd, ne- I'd never call anybody Spurs now. It wouldn't wouldn't like, Spurs have them. won nothing. Like Spurs have won nothing as far as I can see. Um, and it feels well, like not since I, I think 2008. Over, I think over the last number of years, like Galway oh, have been successful-ish. You could think, but now we haven't some in a while. But like there's still things that have been won, and like in big games, like we've in the Ireland series, we've we've produced performances. So I'm not going to say. Or like Dim, um, that's a bit that's a bit low. Jesus, like <laughs> he was doing quite strong. Two foot attack there, didn't he? He did a little bit. Um, for accuracy's sake, I'll get this name right. It's at ML JV4TD. Uh, starting Finton Burke to go on Hegarty is unnecessary. Very different situation to last year. Neither is going well. Garrod not operating as high a level as he was before and Finton's been struggling to start. That's off the back of one of your comments last week, Scale. You were saying that you wouldn't bring him in as a specialist marker on Hegarty. You would stick with the system that worked the last day. Yeah, like I, I think like, you know, the, the personnel who started the last day, you know, not, not necessarily finished, but the personnel who started did a really, really good job and got us in front and got us into a situation whereby we should have been far more in front. So I would trust that personnel again. Um, there's no reason for me to see where, okay, X, Y, Z person has to drop out of the team. I just, I can't see it. And again, as I mentioned earlier, I'm a big believer in that, like, don't shake up things too much just for just for something that you, you think might happen with the opposition. So, like, Finton was obviously not selected the last day um, for, for reasons that only the management team know. Could be form, could be whatever. And I, I genuinely, I don't expect him to start the next day because I, I see no reason why we change the team. Um, I don't want to change our team too much to, to again, counteract Limerick. Um, go for it on, on, on our side. Put, in, put out the base 15 on farm in the training pitch and then go for it after that and the rest will take care of itself. Hmm. Uh, a couple more comments on this game before we get to Claire and Kilkenny. Uh, Stockroom Tim, who's a Claire fan. Most impressive thing I saw at the double header in Limerick was the New York under-17 panel that was introduced to the crowd. How were they able to put an under-17 team together? Fair play to them. And then the night after we did that uh, YouTube video, the New York under-17s beat Claire Miners in a challenge game 
in the football so fair play to New York that is uh, a great achievement and by all reports like they were very uh, skillful as well on the field when they were doing that uh, kind of I guess a bit of a demonstration on the pitch at half time and New York over the last few years they've uh, won division 2 of the girls Fela and they won division 1 of the lads Fela a few years back as well and even their senior team has now got quite a few uh, how to put this American born players of Irish heritage who've been playing on their team as opposed to the guys who go over to work over there yeah natives I suppose is fair enough yeah so very very impressive that they've got minors coming through of that kind of quality and Ab Train 2010 is the last one before we move games regarding tips flatness there has to be a reason why they were all flat I refuse to believe it was anything fitness related Sheedy mentioning overcooked in hard winter has to be nonsense my guess is that the pressure and tension has been ratcheted up recently internally perhaps by Cal and it had a negative effect on the players players who previously played with freedom confidence and energy were now tied up in negativity and fear the card is better than the stick in my opinion so there you go we'll be uh, analysing what went wrong for Tipperary I think throughout the summer it's going to be one of those questions uh, what went wrong in that so that brings us around nicely to the Clare against Kilkenny game and of course there was a back and forth happening in the comments on the YouTube on the back of it uh, Connor Phelan 7242 delighted to hear the majority of pundits are writing off Kilkenny that's one Clare win over Kilkenny in championship history and that's what it'll do for you so that was Connor kind of getting the momentum going and then uh, Tomas Nakaraga said after that let's be real this tip team have not or sorry this Clare team uh, have not won a championship match in Crow Park in 10 years and they've barely been there for many of those years Kilkenny breezed past them in last year's semi-final and Crow Park is the second home to Kilkenny yet Clare are favourites so Skell is it unfair that Clare are considered favourites going into this um Look, we we can use stats, analysis, history to kind of formulate our argument. And in fairness, like Clare, Clare have had a good summer so far, let's be honest. If you bar, bar the Tipperary game at the very beginning of the championship, like they've been quite an effective team. They produced a very good performance against Dublin. It was clinical. Um, like it's, it's what we expect of them, first of all. They seem to have a lot more energy. I just feel like they're in a bit of a better position than they were this time last year. But then you go back through it, like, and Kilkenny, <clears throat> Clare have only beaten Kilkenny once in, in championship hurling. Go back as far as 1997, like 26 years is a long time. And they've, I think Kenny are on five in a row at the minute in terms of victories. Like, and it's just, it's the thing about it is, right? All of us in the public outside of Kenny will have a perception of this game, how it's going to, how it's going to go ahead. But people in Kenny are just, I, I mean this like in a nice way, they're just different. Like, they've a, they have a really strong belief in what they're capable of. So, I, what I think the Kenny boys in my head, I say, are, are feeling or, or, or would look and, and, and maybe speak about clear could be totally different to what's down there. Do you know what I mean? They, they would have a, a huge belief in their own ability, their team, their people, and they're fully, I'm 100% expecting them to go up and win on Sunday. But for me, as a neutral and as a guy standing out, I'm looking at Clare going, like they, they have a, a good team, a really effective team, and they're, they're coming for, I don't like to use the word revenge, it's the wrong word to use, but you know what, a lot went wrong from the last year. Their own doing, and and, and Kenny's doing as well, and they're looking to right those wrongs, I think. And, when we say right off, right off is a bit strong. Like we're, what we're trying to do here is, is, is point at a victor, and we're talking about a point. We're talking about potentially a draw. You know, we're not talking about Kilkenny or Clare getting blown out by seven or eight points. That's not going to happen. And this is—I I can't see a repeat last year, to be honest, in terms of a twelve-point victory. But I don't think I'm mad when I say Clare could, could win this game. But like that, Morfell will. I'll pass the ball over to him and he'll make a very good case for Kilkenny, uh, as I'm sure like, like like he likes to do, regardless of who <laughs> <laughs> So, so I, I, uh, it's, it's going to be a tough game to call as I just hope, I hope like for me, from my perspective, I hope we see everyone on the pitch. I hope John Connell is playing after he's knocked against Dublin. 
Uh, I'd love to see Adrian Mullen back, but chances are more for not going to see that with injury, whether serious injury has, or maybe you're keeping your cards close to your chest. You'll tell us in a second. <laughs> and, and have two teams go at it. Um, referees are important too. I haven't heard. I don't know if referees are signed as yet. Have you heard anything? Uh, I think it's tomorrow we'll find out that. Tomorrow, because I, I meant to say last week, um, and it just it slipped my mind, that John Keane did a really, really good job in the tip Galway game. I thought he let the, let the game off and it, it produced... Uh, it was it was an addition to the game. So whoever's yeah. refereeing on Sunday mm-hmm. and Saturday likely... Um, I'm hoping that they, we we're not. I hope we're not talking about them on Sunday or Monday, really, because that's is John Keenan at this stage, Kel, the most beloved hurling ref around. He is because, because all of us he, were so impressed last year, and then he yeah. obviously disappeared yeah. after the Munster final. Like Murph, actually, I think Murph, I, you called him as your number one ref in the country at the moment, did you? Yeah, I think you yeah. did. Yeah, he did I was start actually, the year. Yeah, I called Forgan Hogan, and then four days later, he he retires. <laughs> like, oh, jeez, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, in fairness to him, like he's he's a good mix. You see, because referees nowadays. Like, and I've seen them in Galway Club Hurling where you get a referee, he lets everything go and the control of the game gets lost. The next thing, things get a bit dirty and a bit heated and then the whole feeling of the game gets a bit nasty, right? So you can't just say let it off, right? What John Keenan does, he has a good mixture of letting the play flow, calls freeze in the freeze, but then he has a nice, it looks like he's a nice demeanour about him. Like, it looks like he's interacting well with the players. He smiles a lot when he's refereeing, which is a great sign. It looks like he's approachable and you can speak to him. So like he's, I think he's put himself in a really good position to say that he's the best ref in the country because he's got all the good attributes of a ref. Like for me, if you're approachable, knowledgeable, and that you can actually make tough calls in tough in, in tough situations, you're a great ref. It's when you take out one or two, or two of those things that's when things just go awry, and it's nothing more frustrating to a team, let's say, when a ref is making bad calls after all the effort you've gone through in, in years. Yeah, throughout the year. So the last thing is I said to you, I, we don't want to be here on Sunday, Monday, talking about an incident or something missed, you know, and talking mm. about the rescue assistance or TV, etc. We don't want that. We want the rest to be inconspicuous, out of the way, but call a fair game. And that's why John Keane is number one. And I'd say he, he, he has to get a game. Like, I'd be very surprised if he doesn't get the semi-final, only if they're holding for the final. If they're holding yeah, for the no, final... I, I, yeah, I hope he's not booked for the games this coming weekend because he gets the final but we shall see it'd be quite the I think redemption is a better word than revenge by the way but what Claire want to do but I think it would be a great redemption story for Keenan after what happened last year after the Munster final if he was to ref well this summer and then get the final afterwards so yeah. we'll see what happens on that um, to pick up that point Murph a lot of things brought up by Scale there but you're going to make the argument for why Kilkenny won't care about any of the talk during the week and they're just going to be out there to try and do deja vu from last year and go through to the final again yeah, like, I mean, I, I don't think Kenny are too fussed. I don't think they'll, they'll be insulted that if the bookies have them down as not being the favourites and they're the favourites, that'll suit them perfectly and they'll be happy for that, you know. Um, but I think, to be honest, like something I thought during the week when I was hearing people saying that obviously Clare are favourites, I think, to be honest, going forward, as long as we have the Leinster Munster Championship as they are, I think the two Leinster teams, regardless, let's say, if, let's say if two Leinster teams in the semi-finals, the Leinster champions are probably still always going to be considered marginally the underdog because the team they're most likely going to be playing against will be have, have come through a serious Munster championship and people will always say that they've been tested that little bit harder and they'll go, oh, but Kilkenny only played X, Y and Z or Galway only played X, Y and Z or whatever. And I think that's just something like, if I, I think this time next year when we're sitting here and let's say we have Galway in the semi-final as Leinster champions or Kilkenny in the semi-final as Leinster champions or whoever, um, I think they're still going to face this thing of they're playing Tipperary and Tipperary had a really good year and, you know, got to a Munster final, let's say, and fell short. I think this is just going to be the narrative that teams have been tested that little bit harder. Um, but for me with Kenny, like last year, because it was such a kind of a, a nullified match, there's nothing that you're, you're looking back to last year to say that, 
oh, either team learned a whole lot from it that they're going to take into this year, particularly not Clare. Like, really, whatever it was that Clare, that, that resulted in Clare performing the way they performed, um, Clare wanted to solve that and then obviously come and, and really get a good grip of this game. Um, and there, there was nothing. If that game was more competitive, we'd be able to look at that and say, this is what Kilkenny done really well. Like, obviously, there's a few, the few very small points, but you'd be able to poke stuff in it. But because Kilkenny and Clare haven't played a whole lot against each other in these matches um, of, of the last few years, it's, it's, it is a kind of an unknown quantity. And it is a kind of a, it's, it's very intriguing that way to see how both sides go to match up. But, you know, Clare, Clare do have the forwards to go and hurt Kilkenny, absolutely. Um, but Kilkenny's defence has also been really resilient. They've been, they've been very strong. They've tried quite a few players. And I think in, in, in trying those players, Kilkenny have the options now to go, OK, the half-back line, for example, to start the Leinster final was really effective because it was a very big half-back line and matched up really well with Galway. But in this instance, maybe that's not what we need. Maybe what we need here is we have to track the runners of Clare coming through the middle. So we need, you know, maybe the likes of Richie Reid being reintroduced into that yeah, half-back line, for example. Well, maybe that would actually be something that would be a bit more beneficial. So I think Kenny are actually in position to go and do that and then go do your man-marking job or your two-man-marking mar- job as well. With that then, like Adrian Mullen being gone or is he gone? We don't know. Like, I mean, obviously we heard last time that oh, he, he... You likely know a lot more than we do here. Go on. I genuinely, I don't. And again, it goes back to something we would have said. Uh, it, it's a trust thing because I do know so many lads in the Kilkenny panel. Um, and, and no more so, like, yeah, if, if I'm speaking to any of them, I'd hate that any of them would think that in my capacity here that if we couldn't just chat away, you know, as in normally when you meet up, that you couldn't just chat away for the fear of something being said. Um, I Is that saw- a tricky one for you in the WhatsApp group, by the way? If you're there and next thing one of the lads goes, Jesus, I heard uh, Mullins just had an operation. He's going to be all right. Looks like he's going to be back. And you're sitting there going, mm, I know the scale is going to bring this up on the pod. Which WhatsApp group now? Our WhatsApp group, or you must have a, like a former players WhatsApp group. No, sure. well, there is there is one with with the, I call them the old lads. There's one there with like uh, Tommy. And how how old lads, lads are we talking here? I uh, know the boys who are clipping about forty there who'd still do a job for you, like. But um, no, they th- their group do, does have a WhatsApp. But I, I put it this way: to be we don't have like a retired players of my generation where like maybe because I'm the first one, maybe I need to set it up like where when TJ and Richie Hogan and the lads start stepping aside, I start putting them into it. But you would be involved in groups then as well. And you'd hear like, oh, they're going away in a training weekend or they're going wherever. Mm-hmm. And you'd just say nothing. Like, but, you know, you'd meet up at lads. You'd meet Owen Murphy or you'd meet Conor Fogarty lads. And you talk about, you know, how's your house going or any holidays planned or whatever. Because if I wasn't doing this, I'd, I'd probably ask them, what's the story? Is Adrian Mullen all right or what's the crack? But I'd hate yeah. for me to do it. And then three days later one of your other friends is talking about it and, and I'm the one to blame. So it is a trust thing, like, you know, and, sure. and at the same time, it, me knowing that doesn't make a difference. If I know that now today, let's say that Adrian Mullen's playing on Sunday or that he's not playing, doesn't make a difference to me as long as I'd rather not know and, and he goes out fit and, you know, shoots the lights out, you know. So I know as much as he, genuinely. And to be honest, after Skehill and Aidan Hart's display in, in the Hogan stand or the Hogan, or Crow Park Hotel, where they wouldn't tell me if Cottle Mannion was starting, absolutely no way would I be revealing uh, that information here anyway. So that's the trade-off, <coughs> Will. The, the listeners are losing here because <laughs> you can't be showing your hand. It's the same thing with like my, my club mate like, and a really good friend who's at the house here earlier on, Damon Joyce. Like, he's a, he's a mm-hmm. coach with Galway. And like, I, I'd be messing with him asking some questions, but I would never expect him to say anything to me because I wouldn't like it. Like, you know, now he keeps his cards close to chest anyway, which I would do the same thing if I was in his position. Mm. But like, you just couldn't. Like, it's 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 a huge trust thing. Like, if you if you went on and even accidentally, I'd be very conscious of that not saying anything accidentally because 
you know, you wouldn't know what way it actually perceived in the group. And I'd, I'd hate to think, like, like I said, Murph, the group who we were friends, like people you play with, yeah. Yeah. Say, can't, can't trust you anymore, and they, they nearly avoid you. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and you, to, be fair, to be fair, you des- you would deserve it if you said something that was, you know, shouldn't have been said. Uh, it was it was privy to the group. Then you, you deserve it. You deserve not to be spoken to again, really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And like a lot of lads would rather like because let's say a lot of the players this week. Now we go around. I know we're getting off topic, but players will be mm-hmm. going around and people will be talking to them. So like. You know, you've Conor Whelan in buying a coffee in a shop one today. There's a lad behind him in the queue is saying, well, are you fit for the weekend? How do you go? You know, and lads are talking to him. So you're actually the breath of fresh air if you don't talk to him about it, where you just go, well, did you see, you know, blah, blah, the weekend? Did you see the rugby? Did you see whatever? Like, you know, and just talk to him about something else. But it is, it, it definitely is a big trust one. And that's something that, um, you know, you just, like I remember years ago, <clears throat> I remember like people texting me before a game asking is this player injured? Is that player injured? And because you're in the mindset of you're preparing for a match, you're like a briar, like, you know, and you have, kind of do have a siege mentality. And even though your normal person doesn't see that as being intrusive and doesn't see it as winding you up, I used to get really wound up when players, and I remember it when people would text me and they'd ask me questions they shouldn't ask me um, about, will this fella be starting? Will that, is this fella injured or whatever? That used to really annoy me. So, I would be even hypersensitive to that to be saying to lads, like the most I'd say to any lads would say, well, how's, how's your body injury free and how's training going? Are you enjoying it grand? And then get off topic that I've asked them about it, but I'm not asking to say, well, how's X, Y, and Z going in training? So I come into these things very blind, to be honest. So I am coming into this game, not knowing, uh, you know, who's fit, who's not fit, who's going well. So if Adrian Mullen starts, brilliant. I hope he does. Um, but I, I won't know anything about it until we, we, we see the team on Sunday. Ah, yeah. Like even last week, I was chatting to a guy who'd be very friendly with a lot of the Mary Eye players, which just coincidentally is kind of the spine of the Limerick team. And I'm sure he was probably chatting to Declan Hannon at some point. Probably is a fair idea of who's playing at number six. But I didn't want to ask him because yeah. as much as I'd love to know exactly what they're doing, I would hate if that got out. And he thought him telling me meant I told someone else and it ends up getting out there. You could never trust me to have a conversation again yeah. if that's no. what's happened. I think let's let the teams, you know, do their tactical thing during the week, come into the weekend, and I can happily sit down, whether in Crow Park or at home, and watch the battles play out. Last thing we need is speculation during the week about uh, what's happened with players. But, like, the thing is, Kel, injuries are fairly key going into this weekend. I mean, we spoke last week, and I appreciate the point that when it's double digits, it's not purely down to John Conlon. But if John Conlon is missing this coming Sunday afternoon, that's a big problem for Clare, isn't it? Oh, jeez, that's a massive, massive problem. Like, I think if you're t- looking at players on level of importance for Clare, uh, Tony Kelly's obviously number one in my book. And then, mm. to be honest, I know people are looking forward, but John Connellan is pivotal to that defence. He's pivotal to that team. He's like their, what's the word I'd use, Will? He's like their general. Do you know what I mean? He's like the guy that's a, he's a different type of leader. The, himself and Tony Kelly are two different types of leader. Tony is energy, scoring, kind of, kind of raising the crowd, whereas John Connellan is physical, ball winner, so they need him, like, and they need him to perform well. So injuries are crucial. Like, injuries have the potential to actually sway or swing a game. So, like, if you look at uh, our, like, every panel is not is not doesn't have unlimited resources. Like, so if John Collin does in, in fact drop out for injury purposes, remember now, Dave Mack didn't play last, last or two weeks ago because or a week ago, should I say, because of an injury against Dublin. So if he's out, which I hope he's not, and then Cleary's out. That's three of your top six backs gone. That's, and that's an awful hole to fill. Number of holes. Mm. And I don't think there's any team in the country that can actually physically fill three, six, and seven and still perform to the same level that they were doing previous. Like, that's not possible. So, like, you, you'd certainly hope that McInerney's back. You'd hope John Connor is, is fit to go. Connor Cleary, I still stand by it, Les. I still can't see it happening. 
Um, like we, we played Kameli in that Federmore tournament yesterday, and that's his club. I didn't ask anyone in Kameli because, again, it's it's not fair of me to, to ask to ask him mm-hmm. is he going to play. Um, but again, I, I see it very difficult for him to come back from no shoulder injury. So you'd, you'd imagine he's out, and I, I'm hopeful Conlon will, will come back. I'd say, I'd say, um, I'd say it's probably just a heavy knock that he took and with precaution when you consider where the game was going. Um, so the double game. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully he's back, and hopefully I hope Mullins back. I want to see both teams stacked, ready to rock, give a good performance. I'm um, just adding up the goals here, Murph. So Claire have conceded. Played five games, they conceded 13 goals. Uh, okay, five of them came against Tipperary. But is that a big concern for Clare, given that Kilkenny will happily hop in some long ball into that full back line? Yeah, of course it's going to have to be a concern. I mean, it's going to be a concern until you've shown yourself that you've you've rectified any problem that's in the full back line. Particularly when you look at Kilkenny against Galway, that, you know, when they got four goals and, you know, you look at Mossy Keown's goal where he kind of ran at the defence and calmly just flicked the ball past the keeper. You look at then they have the option of where Walter Welch went steamrolling through the middle. Then you have the likes of, you know, cornerbacks coming up, won't mention his name, coming up and getting straight through scoring. So like that the, 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 the threats were coming from a variety of situations. You're not marking that, are you? I didn't say the name, sure. <laughs> just get just getting ready. How do you do that now? <laughs> yeah, it's a loophole. It's a loophole. Um, you're, even, you're even reading my body language now, sir. <laughs> you, you were there. You were looking off like uh, Terry. You're looking into a field of hisses there, and then suddenly you heard something with corner back, and you sprung into action, pen clicking away. I knew full well. You're, you're hypersensitive to it. But, um, but yeah, anyway, well, back to your <laughs> back to your question. Go on. Like the fact that there was such a variety of Kenny scoring the different types of goals. Um, certainly, Clary, you'd have to be worried about it until you've you've shown yourself that, oh yeah, we we rectified this situation because there's no point in shooting the lights out the other end if you know you work really hard to get three really well worked points, but then you you give away a simple goal at the back. And simple goals happen every so often, but you know, thirteen, you'd rather. I'm sure Claire would much rather um, if they held it down to even single digits there, kept it down to nine. You'd feel a bit more comfortable yeah. with that. So certainly, look, the Kenny do have. They, they've shown that they've managed to get their their shooting boots on, and that um, they're managing to get goals. So uh, it, it's certainly like I mean, it's 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 probably too easy to say that obviously you know goals will be important here. But if you Kenny figure out that they're able to root out two or three goals here, like that's huge. Um, and if it might breed a small bit of uncertainty, uncertainty into that clear full back line, if Cleary isn't there, and you have someone standing in the full back line, and then you get a goal early on or two goals early on, like that could decide uh, the belief of the clear backs very early on. So I think it, it'll be very important for them, for Clare, to set up in such a way whereby, granted, Kilkenny will get their scores, but if they keep the goal threat to a minimum, um, they'll be very happy, and it'll be a big step forward for them. Now, in fairness to Claire on this one, I'm sure as will be pointed out by their supporters as well, it was the first few games where the goals were the real problem. So five against uh, Tip, two even though they beat Limerick that night in the second round of games, then they conceded three against Cork. So they had 10 gone in in their first few games. Did keep a clean sheet against Waterford. You could argue that against Dublin, they scored enough for the two goals not to really matter. And they were right in the final where they only conceded one in the Munster final. So the argument is definitely there. They've cleaned it up. But I suppose the point I was trying to make, Scale, is that they have shown themselves to be susceptible to giving away goal chances at times and this is a Kilkenny team that have had plenty of goals about them this year. Yeah, huge. But um, like Kilkenny, Murphy's—he took the words out of my mouth. I was going to actually approach there uh, later on with regards to the variety and the manner in which Kilkenny get their goals. 
it's not a one trick thing whereby it's just long ball hoping for hoping for a lucky draw. Like it's really it's, it's attacking from flanks, it's up the middle, it's different clientele, you know, it's numerous goals. So like the they, they have the firepower and they have the legs to come through both from the half forward line and full forward line to get goals. And that's something that's going to be very, very, I suppose, uh, important for Clare to stop. And like they did, in fairness to Clare, I think a lot of it has to do with the positioning of their of their half back line midfield. They seem to have tinkered with the not with the with the personnel, but with with, with the system there. Um, that John Conlon was allowed wants to sit back a bit more and provide more protection, which is like a primary duty of a centre back is to, is to protect the guys behind you. It seems like that 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 Fitzgerald Taylor they, they they've got a good a good I suppose rapport over the last number of days, that number of games whereby they've they've, they've stemmed the tide a small bit. And you're right about the Dublin game. In fairness, that that type of game is the type of game whereby you've scored so much that if you concede a goal, it's nearly a token goal. I don't mean that in a, in a disrespectful manner, but it wasn't a goal conceded at a critical moment whereby you got opened up when you're only a couple of points ahead. So they have cleaned up the act a bit, and I think a lot of it, as I said to you, is down to five, six, seven, eight, nine. That's going to be a crucial one, like crucial one. Like Clare have got to win. A big thing for me here is the breaks. So like, Kenny are a really good team. They're a really, really good team of feeding off breaks. So like, a lot of their ball will go long. A lot of them will, will be so the Clare back line are going to be tested. It's going to be an awful lot of ball hit, hitting down to them. You could see in the region of 25, 30, if, if not puckouts landing down top of them. And it's, it's the manner in which Clare can tidy up breaks because Kilkenny will come through runners. And they have athleticism. I don't think we give enough credit to Kilkenny in terms of a- a- athletics. Like, they have got really good runners and powerful runners, which are hard to stop when they're coming at you. Like, I've, again, the, 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 this defining was the first chance I got to see, the most recent chance I got to see of the Kilkenny boys up close. And they're fucking units, like, they're units. Like, you know, if you go through all of them, let's say, Wally, Keown, TJ, Cody, these boys are well-built animals. And the same thing head out the way Buckley damn him, the way I did like you know well bit athletics like so so they can match clear athletically um, and and hurling wise in which we know what Kikini can produce so the key battle for me is 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 Clare's half back line versus Kikini's half forward line if 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 Clare can get on top there I think they'll win the game if they can't they're in the spot of bother I like that now the the American job our friend Mikey Butler a friend of the pod we call him. Yeah, <laughs> I want to speak to this man someday. We want to get him on, right? <laughs> I, bet pure, I bet she's pure sound too. Uh, a lot, a lot will see what 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 can he do. Uh, I presume he'll take up the role again of Mark, Mark and Tony Kelly. He was so effective in that role last year. So, like, if he can do, go two for two, Mark and Tony Kelly, all credit to the man. That'll go an awful long way for uh, for leading King's victory. So, time will tell. If you're a Claire scale, do you move TK away from him? And it's very, but it's very hard to move a man marker. What you can do, it's a bit like when you play a sweeper. Like you want to not have the sweeper sweeping. You want it to be somebody else, you know, because the team who puts in the sweeper want that guy sweeping. So you want to put them in a situation whereby some other lad is sweeping, and it kind of knocks them out of kilter a bit. Whereas in this instance, right, you're just telling Mikey Butler, I presume, just follow that guy wherever he goes. And so Mikey Butler is comfortable, which you've seen, unfortunately, com- comfortable up in the forwards. You know, he's calm and collected, and he's comfortable in the backs, obviously. So I can see him just going everywhere, and I think. Tony Kelly has to get away from Mikey Butler, where Mikey Butler just has to disrupt Tony Kelly. If Mikey Butler doesn't play the ball, you know, if he just keeps the ball out of Tony Kelly's hands, keeps with him, keeps blocking him, hooking him, or keeps shoving him, uh, like that's that's nine tenths of of Mikey Butler's job. If Tony Kelly has to get the ball, he's doing something with it. He used to make the ball talk, and that's a harder ask for me. Like I think we don't give enough credit to the guys when they are man marked if they produce a good performance. Like so, if we see Tony Kelly man marked now on Sunday and he produces a good performance, that that deserves huge credit. Whereas in Mikey Butler. Great job to Mark, Mark Tony Kelly because he's so athletic, but it's it's a tough ask. I think Mikey Butler well capable of doing it, uh, and I, I I can't see a world where he doesn't do it. He has to go with them, and I can't see it in a world whereby player develop a plan 
that they get Mikey Butler off of Tony Kelly. Just can't see it. Can't is see there it. a possibility, Murph, that Clare go, fine, let Tony be followed by Mikey Butler for the entire game and we'll back our other five forwards to do the down yeah, absolutely. Um, I think they kind of have to do something along those lines anyway, um, because like he he will follow him, you know, probably up into the defence and everything if needs be. Because we saw Martin Cahalmanian last year, and the, obviously, as we can given the license to go up as far as the the, the 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 opposition D if needs be. If you find yourself up there, you don't have to find yourself in corner back the whole time. So I think in that Brian Lowen just throws a gauntlet down to lads. Say, look at look, Tony is going to try and find his way into this game, and he may find it after two minutes. Like it may be completely different to last year. It may take him, you know, till half time, come out after half time, game opens up a small bit, and now he finds himself into the game. But that only happens if the other forwards fire as well, whereby there's enough danger around the pitch that Kilkenny are so preoccupied, men marking, and also then trying to, I suppose, join up as a unit in defence that there's so many problems happening that, you know, they can't even double team Tony Kelly or anything like that. And that just generally the game opens up. I think Brian Lowen has to just go with that, really, because, look, again, there's so many unknowns, like we said about last year, that this game could take on a completely different life. And Tony Kelly could shoot the lights out here at the weekend, very capable of it. And you just always have to go with that, that he's one of these players that could just completely go out and last year is consigned to the ashes and he goes out and scores 110 or something. You know, it, it can just happen. But I think failing that, Brian Lowen just has to say to the lads, listen, it's 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 on the you're well capable of it. it it's back on you to actually go out and hurl and put in a performance here as I'm sure you you want to do and you have plans to do anyway. But to bring Tony into the game, that's what everyone else has to do. They have to go out and win their own position, and that'll facilitate Tony. And it mightn't even matter then if Tony Kelly scores two points from play, but Clare win, but they won't care who's after scoring. They won't care how Tony Kelly's after getting on. It's just, they've won. So I think there's a few other things that they'll be more concerned about, more so in particular, just getting a performance that was completely, you know, the opposite of last year. That's Clare's big concern at the moment. That's what they're focused on. And secondary then to that is, you know, how will Tony Kelly and these ads get on? And, and, and you won't know that until the ball is thrown in on Sunday anyway. So they just, they can control the controllables at the moment, put pressure on the boys to go out there and hurl well and get the distraction off Tony and allow him to come into the game. And that's, that's all you can really do before now on Sunday. Yeah, I think that covers off Cody96's question on Instagram. Will Mikey Butler do as good a job on Tony this year? Um, this is one for you, Scout, because I know you're a big fan of his. Luke Howard, not Luke Howard 2009, you're probably indifferent to him, but the player I mean who you're a fan of is Owen Cody. And he asks, who will Claire use on Owen Cody? Ooh. Yeah, so see, Owen Cody's a tricky one because like, what the Kinney are doing well at the moment is they're only like... They're isolating him into a corner. Like, it's not so much a corner, but he seems to have a big section of... If I was to divide the forwards into four quadrants, it's, it nearly seems like Owen Cody has a full quadrant by himself because he's got pace, power, and skill. So when you mix those three together, you've got a dangerous animal in there. So what they tried to do against Galway, for example, was they tried to isolate him against Park Manion and feed the ball into him. And there's only so much defenders can do in that situation. Paul, I'll tell you... You can, I always say it like you can mark space the men. It's very hard to mark both because if you're marking a lad in tons of space and he's getting ball, like what can you do? <laughs> what can you reality do? Like he's going to get points off you. You need, yeah. you need, if that's the case, then you need help. Like you need lads to come back. And if Corey does get the ball ahead yet, you need twos and threes on top of him. So in, my point being is that clear, I think Kilkenny will try and again isolate that quadrant for own Cody. They'll probably push. I'd imagine Rory Hayes will probably go on him. I, I can't see Adam Hogan going on him just yet. Um, Rory Hayes going on him. And I'd, I'd, I'd say probably Lohan will say to the boys, 
we need to get our half-back line in a straight line across the pitch and try and cut off some of the ball going over in over their heads to Cody. Because if you if you follow out the the, the Kikini half forward line who come who like to come deep anyways to collect the ball, if you follow them out way out and follow go toe to toe, you are going to get murdered inside. And that's I don't mean I'm not trying to be sensationalist, like but you are going to get murdered when you've got Owen Cody who can contest low and high. Like his touches unreal. I'm a huge fan of his now. And like if the ball is sent in high himself Massey Kion, like there's a strong chance there's, there's a goal on here. So Clear's defensive structure is, is key to that. If you stop Owen Coley, like you're not stopping Kinney, but you're stopping a major cog in their system. And I think Rory Hayes will be step one, who's a good man marker, get him to mark first, and then situating their halfback line is key for that number two. Hmm. Uh, I don't know whether Mossy's going to be fit. Again, this is uh, one of the suggestions that Mikey Carey's definitely out and that it's going to be a case of Mossy's touch and go. It's his hamstring, it seems, Paul. So obviously the month may well have helped. Like having these three free weekends to maybe nurse his way back in, maybe he'll be fine to go this weekend. Yeah, very possible. And it seems to be kind of... um a bit of a strain of a hamstring um like in terms of he had the hamstring injury going into the Leinster final from what we knew of he had it after the Wexford match uh but then still hurled really well for 20 minutes in the Leinster final so it wasn't the case that it was a drastic tear of the hamstring from what I can see so I would be saying certainly the four weeks off given the knowledge of hamstring injuries at the moment and what you can do in that time to strengthen it up I would be saying that hopefully he's in a very good position and four weeks is a great amount of time like I mean if you had a a fairly significant tear um, four weeks does a huge amount for that so for me if Mossy hurled for 20 minutes or so in that game in Leinster final and like kind of you know the, you could see the medical team went into him and he said yeah listen you may take me off there in the next minute or two and hurled on for a bit that is not a drastic hamstring tear that it seems to be just you know it's tight I can't really do a whole lot with it so I'd be encouraged and hopefully um, he will because he's a great goal threat and again no more than what Skettle was saying there. Mossy Keown is one of the lads for me. He was always physically like really strong. But for anybody who's at the game on Sunday, if you see him in the warm-up, like he his, he is a, a block of a fella. Like he's really, really strong. And having a player like that who can physically, when he gets the ball in his hand, you think you're going to manhandle him when he actually manhandled you, but has the strength to basically pop the ball off then that he's not getting pushed around. That's a huge attribute to have and making the ball stick in there. He's doing a great job at that and he's really developed as a player. So I'd love to see Mossy being fit this weekend and, and seeing him start because it's actually very hard at the moment to himself and Owen Cody, are, the two of them are very similar when they're on the pitch uh, in terms of their style of hurling, in terms of their physicality and even the gait of them when they're running. It's it, They're very mm-hmm. similar. So having both of them in there, um, two very similar players, they, I think they work off each other really well and it, it, it allows then for you to throw in maybe another player of different attributes beside them. You know, like your Billy Ryan who's a speed merchant and, you know, deft little touches and stuff. So for Mossy to be play, I, I'd be hopeful. I think he will. Um, but again, I think even until Sunday morning, you won't know until he actually walks out on the pitch. Okay. Uh, we'll get into predictions in a moment, uh, but just a few others that have come in. Electric Dinny has been in contact. He says, after listening to last week's pod, lads, you owe Tom Morrissey and Galan an apology for not having them in your top five. Do we? <laughs> well, wait a Hang on for a second. Top five. Galan, Galan was very much in contention in the chat, wasn't he? Well, what the scale is, like scale just name five players as a point of kind of if we were to name something now generally we weren't we didn't actually name our five players yeah it was, it was potential the word being potential at the minute and I think what we were saying it was it was in the line of the conversation of like you know that no one has necessarily overly stood out as hurler of the year yet that was more the context so it was for the the point of that absolutely like Tom Morrissey could go and win the hurler of the year so could Galan but like 
I mean, the purpose of that conversation was more so to highlight the fact that other years we have said, oh, this player, on barring them having an absolute calamity, is going to be hurt of the year nearly at this stage, you know, and as long as they say hurt him well. So I don't think that we were, we ruled out Tom Morrissey from the top five hurlers at the moment, have we? No, the notebook's there, but... In fairness to you, Will, I, see you, you, I, I have Glenn written here, but I have, I have by one, which in my own notes terms, he's had one really, really effective game that can be, hmm. I suppose, hurler of the year, you know, uh, applicable. That was the most refined. He didn't really set the world alight. Now, he was good. I'm not saying he was bad. I mean, he was good. But, like, for you to be nominated for hurler of the year, you've got to really separate yourself from the pack. And, like, when you see senior country teams nowadays, an awful lot of the lads are producing savage performances across the board. So, for you to put your head above the parapet, tricky proposition. And, like, in fairness to Conor Wheel, like, for, from one guy, he's done that over the last two days. He's really got two man the match performances in a row and been really effective. And, like that, we did say last week that if they have a good semi final for Limerick, Tom Morris, Glenn, could be somebody else that could, that, that could get out of that list. But, uh, no, we didn't isolate those five. We just mentioned five potentials, the guys who are currently looking pretty good. Um, but yeah, I hope. Yeah, I hope Glenn's on it <laughs> after next week. Show <laughs> <laughs> um, my colours. Show my colours. Bob Noonan asking us to name a starting fifteen that will start for Limerick. We kind of already touched on that a little bit. Uh, do we think Keen Lynch is going to start? I guess, Murph. That depends on how fit Keen Lynch is, doesn't it? Yeah, that's all it is. If he's fit, he'll start. Really. Um, yeah, we don't know. Like, I mean, it's not a case that Keane Lynch's form has, has has dipped significantly that you don't play him. Um, it's just a case: is he fit? Yeah, he starts. If he's not fit, no, he's not starting. So it's it's not even up to us. It's Keane Lynch's body will decide whether he starts or not. Mm-hmm. Okay, keep your predictions uh, at the back of your mind there for a moment. Uh, Nihilus thirteen, Galway will beat Limerick. Kilkenny will beat Clare from a Clare fan. Oh, be good. Mm. That's f- so. There you go. I'll check that. I'll check that. That's a concerned, concerned Clare fan ahead of this weekend. Um, Hugh Devery. This, you can have this one, Scale, because I think you've brought this up before as well. Uh, do you think our strikes on goal make it easier for keepers to stop them, bounce them? So I'm not sure which county uh, he was from, but I know you've talked about this before, the idea that players seem to want to put the ball at a height that's actually convenient for a goalkeeper, as opposed to if the ball is bounced in front of them, it gets quite tricky. Yeah, like I asked, I actually asked um, one of our forwards who, uh, recently, um, what goes through your head, I said, when you're going through on goal? I can imagine there's a multitude of things and there's probably a degree of nervousness too, but what goes through your head on goal when you're about to shoot and you hit a lovely height for a keeper? And he goes, lad, he said, <laughs> there's lads hounding you, there's lads coming at you. He said, I just want to get the ball on fucking target. <laughs> That's what I want to do. Right? <laughs> I, 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 I can see it, right? Here we are. Like, because uh, we're so perfect saying, oh, you should have bounced that ball easily. But, like, if you look at, uh, even if I go back to the Conor Whelan chances the last year, like, um, his third one that Shelley saved with his foot, you know, if that mm. ball gets bounced, it probably goes in. It probably does mm. go in and say, but, like, it's just much more effective. I think if you look at if you took 10 shots and hit them at that height, mid-height, and on an inch goal, he's senior, 10 them, he'll probably save eight of them. If you take 10 shots and bounce them, your efficiency will come up. Like, he might still save four or five, but your efficiency. So, like, the opportunities are few and far between. So, when you get them, you have to take them and the best way to take them for a goal is to bounce it hmm. I always thought particularly for penalties Gal, not to get on a tangent on this but remember when the one-on-one penalty initially came in and like I think the goalkeeper yep. saving rate is generally pretty decent but when players were good at actually bouncing it before the goal goalkeepers generally didn't get near them very hard because uh, who do I face now I 
It was TJ. It was actually TJ and Aaron Glenn the one year I faced uh, in a league and a championship. And both of them went down to my right. Uh, both of them are left, are left left strikers. So both of them went kind of across their body, if you know what I mean. Mm. Naturally, you'd say, naturally you'd say, or if they went open their body, naturally you'd say they go across their body, which would have been to my yeah. left. You know what I mean? But they both went to my right and they bounced them. Now, bounce, the area which you bounce is key. So they bounced them what, what felt like five or six yards out from the goal. I had no chance. You, you can't yeah. do it because you can't, you can't actually judge... The, the height of the ball is going to come. Do you know what I mean? You can't mm. judge it at all. So you can't judge it. You're, just, you're hoping it's, it's your hurt. And they were, the, they were the best penalty. So if you're bouncing the ball and you're, you're bouncing, let's say, as, as I said to you, five yards away, fucking very hard to stop that. Let's, your efficiency again goes, goes way up. Yeah, mm. especially if you hit a pace, you just never know how that bounce is actually going to work out. Uh, okay, I think that covers that one off. Uh, Cahill Mac 79 who would you have for a young hurler of the year so far? Hogan and Rogers must be up there. Hashtag up the banner. Hurler. Young hurler here. So that's actually out to twenty-two years of age now, isn't it? It's not twenty-one. So, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Like Rogers again, young hurler of the year. I'm just trying to think. It's not a standout year again for young hurler of the year. That's that sounds like you're being very negative about it. But again, you know, let's say the years where like Austin Gleeson won it, like he was quite far, uh, quite obviously far and above everyone. So it's quite balanced at the moment. Yeah, I suppose Rogers. What age is Rogers? Mm, I'll check while Scale has a think. Go on. I'm thinking with I'm thinking hard yeah. I'm trying to buy you some time here um, again like usually when I think back to Owen Cody's time or once, like, when they were coming on the scene as young hurlers like they put their hand well up and put it up high mm-hmm. um, like Rogers in the brackets definitely like I, Rogers, Rogers by the way was he was born in 2001 so he can be no older than 22 right now so okay. yeah so like, I think to be honest I think he's he's ahead of Hogan uh, in, in, in that stake but I'm just going through the teams. I'm naming the teams in my head, yeah. and I'm saying mm. Galway. I, I don't have anyone. Kikini. I don't. I don't have anyone. Cork. Like, she has no like. I, I, Carl I O'Neill. Like, why is Carl O'Neill? He uh, well, he would have been under twenty last year, so he yeah. Has to, so yeah, he yeah. has to be like. I mean, he was going really well. Bar when he got the injury, then like he was taken off against Cork. I think it was uh, when he picked up the injury. Like Carl O'Neill has really stepped up a fair bit, and like we said, we have, we have two. We have two games left now where if he hurls really well, he'd probably get it, you know, because mm. he is, he's he's built on his last few years and he does look like a player that's about to blossom really now into a, into a savage hurler. Um, and, and barring that injury he got against Cork, he was going really well. So, like, as it applies the same, I suppose, theory here to, like, the hurler of the year we're saying that, We'll have a, we'll know a lot more after this weekend, and these last two games will really obviously decide it. Particularly for young hurler year now is a chance for the likes of Colin O'Neill to go out, and if he performs really well, like there's not many coming behind him. And Rogers it's probably between the two of them really yeah. at the moment. Yeah, so Adam Hogan is a 2003 baby. Their exact dates of birth aren't on the GA website, but he was born in 2003. Uh, Cahill was the year before, so he's 2002, and Rogers was 2001. So they're all 22 or younger. So all three of them are. Eligible to be named Young Hurler of the Year. Hmm. Interesting. It makes you think of Billy Drennan as well, Murph. He never really got the run because of the injury, did he? No, he didn't. Um, and Kilkenny were kind of up and going then when, uh, by the time he came back. But um, he came in, did he come in the Leinster final, was it? Was he, or was he just warming up? He was on the panel for it. He was on the panel. I think he was, they were actually warming him up maybe. Or I can't remember if he came on. 
But um, no, he didn't really get look. He didn't really get I suppose to look in after the injury, which was unfortunate. But again, he is young. Like it may have been the motive of Derek that Derek maybe didn't have didn't see him fitting right into the team yet, albeit that he played, you know, was a focal point for Kilkenny's uh, league campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, but you'd have to say, obviously, the injury would have hampered him. Like, I mean, he would have missed so much of training sessions, you know, games within sessions that would have dictated who was starting and who's not starting. So it's unfortunate for him because realistically, like if he nailed down a position, you'd probably be saying Billy Drennan at the moment. You know, if imagining he had a, a had a decent enough year, like you know, without maybe even going for an all star, that he would probably get young her of the year. So unfortunate for Billy Drennan, yeah, absolutely. But again, look, a man with a man with more days ahead of him than he does behind him at the moment. So it's you know, it's bright for him anyway. Oh, for sure. This is where scale we get into the territory where people go ask them for a prediction because I want to be able to use this against them if they're wrong. How are you calling Sunday's match between Clare and Kilkenny? Oh. Are you looking at his notebook for? He has either a Clare or Kilkenny written down in the notebook. Yeah, he needs so. to reference it just so. Yeah, go on. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Clare. I'm going to say that actually the cumulative margin of win over the weekend for the two games will be less than three points. So I'm going to say there's going to be only a point in both games or two. That's that's mm. as tight that's the tight as it's going to be. And I'm going to probably just throw me weight behind Clare. Why so? Um, I get I, I like there's, there's a couple of things I look at in sports when a team is going well and I just like a huge thing is momentum and I know they didn't win the Munster Championship I get that right but they've been performing to a level that you know is would warrant a Munster Championship would warrant an Ireland so and I think they're, they're a team that probably has improved I think the Dublin game was just the right type of game they wanted at the right time um, and they just seem they just seem to be in a good spot it's very hard to actually put my finger on it well they just I've this feeling about them they just seem like the the loads of energy, they're into year four or five of the management team. The players are on form. Their big players are on form. They've got a couple of guys who can come in now to the forwards. They they seem to have fixed a few the goal situations at the back. Um, then obviously I, I put weight behind what, what happened last year. They wanted to get that revenge is the wrong word, but there there won't be lack of motivation in any way, shape, or form. Um, and hopefully they have all their clientele to pick from, apart from theory in my head. So like. I'm just ticking, they're just ticking the boxes for me. But like, like that, it's not, it's not me throwing shade at Kikini by no means that, because there's loads of boxes Kikini take also. But I'm just throwing, just throwing behind Clare. And like, I can toss the coin tomorrow and pick Kikini. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's just, but just Clare for me. And I, I, I just have to, it's just a feeling about them. It's hard to explain. But I just have a feeling that they're in a good spot and that they'll do something. I was so close to having an attention-grabbing headline there for the pod this week. Skell believes in Clare or Skell backs Clare. <laughs> yeah, you kind of went back in yourself slightly after that and went, well, you know, you're a very good team too. Listen, there's enough fucking headlines that I've been making over the last couple of weeks. Right? <laughs> I don't want no more. All I want is peace and quiet. Okay, just a bit of peace and quiet. Yeah. I felt terrible that you didn't watch enough Simpsons to actually get the joke on this one. I was showing the lads before we came on. Uh, I ended up getting in a conversation about Scales' hands because of his very impressive carrying of both pints and bottles of water at our roadshow in Limerick last year. And uh, this is what the digital team, uh, Keen Faye particularly, came up with. And for anyone who knows <laughs> the Simpsons, they will definitely get that where the guy with the massive hand after it went into the nuclear reactor talks about his massive hand. Unfortunately, Scale, you weren't familiar with that episode of The Simpsons. I wasn't. And again, more than my father, Ted, um, crying committed against television. Simpsons is another one. I might have said, come here, I have a bone to pick with you, right? Every time he put up a graphic of the yeah. three of it, or of me, why do you always make me look drunk? <laughs> that's, Invariably, that's, you probably are scandalous. That's four, that's four, <laughs> look, look at the head of me, like. I, I think I think that may well have come from match co- match footage, by the yeah, way. So I hope yeah, you were not drunk in yeah. that situation. 
what, no, that wouldn't be drunk there, right? But it looked, like, <laughs> like if you if you open up that photograph, right, and and put the rest of my body leaning against a door in a pub, it wouldn't. Yeah, it looked like I'm, I'm, I'm drunk. You know Fair I mean? point. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, so I think good. it was it was wonderful work by our digital department to come up with that. Uh, one of yeah. our best pieces of work of last week. Murph, there's no more killing time for you. Who's yeah. going to win? Which, look, I believe Kilkenny are going to win. Again, might be... Actually, no, I think it is, it is head and heart in sync. Like last year, he absolutely went off on me for saying that Kilkenny yes, were we going did. to win. Um, and maybe maybe I could have been criticised for, for then for maybe leaning a bit towards my heart than, than, than my head. Um, but I did believe it last year. But like again, this year... Like, I think there's a few things that Kenny will look to do. Um, obviously, we've talked about nullifying Tony Kelly, uh, hopefully nullifying Shane O'Donnell, but I don't I don't know if they'll go to a man-marking job for Shane O'Donnell. Um, I think David Fitzgerald as well, they'll look to nullify his influence. Like, if I think back in the game last year, David Fitzgerald got a few balls and he they hit a few wides, you know, made a few bad decisions. And even the fact that him, who's usually such a solid player going forward and makes really good decisions, when he did that, it nearly kind of crept in a bit of... Um, lack of confidence in, in, in the Clare team and when you saw things that were uncharacteristic like that happening you're going okay Jesus maybe there's something off here with the Clare team I think the other thing that Kilkenny maybe look to do will try and pull and drag John Conlon out of that number six position you know um, Conlon is happy to sit in around the 45 on the D get involved get tackling and, and start Clare on the path going forward but potentially throwing a centre forward in there that wants to sit quite a nice bit far out and ask questions of Conlon. If you feed balls to a player who's sitting quite far out and off his man at number six um, and, and Kilkenny start utilising it and start feeding him ball, it kind of causes questions to be asked and Conlon then might have to step up, then creating space in behind him for the full forward line. So I think Kilkenny will have a few things there, but look, realistically, again, I, I do see Clare performing on Sunday. I don't see last year last year happening again. Um and again, I go, I go at about a three-point win for Kilkenny. And again, injuries are going to, like we said, play a huge part in this. You know, as in Kilkenny need to have, well, hopefully we'll have Adrian Mullen on the pitch. And likewise, hopefully clear of their full team as well, because we want to see two full teams going at each other here. But I just think Kilkenny have, you know, have that panel strength to have the players to come in as well. And uh, I'd be saying by the, you know, two, three points, we'll go three for the moment Kilkenny win. Yep, not to piss you off, I'm going to go for Clare and Limerick uh, so I can equally annoy both of you. Um, <laughs> Fair play, they're, I'm walking around. They're, well, they're my quick picks early in the week. Like okay. This is very, very instinctive, I think, at this point. And, like, I think even when we see the teams named on Friday, let the football from this weekend be a warning about that, where Dublin named a team and then made four changes before throwing when they went to play against Mayo today. Um, yeah. I... I do not expect John Kiley on Friday. Maybe I'll be proven wrong to name the six who will actually start at six. Yeah. I think he will try and get in the mind of Galway, name someone who's not expected, and then Galway will have to double guess what he's doing. And by all means, Skell, I think Henry will be clever enough not to necessarily fall for a trap from what team comes out in a, a document, an Excel document on Friday. No, I guess, and in fairness, like, because if the shoe was another foot, he did, he did the same thing himself, you know. <laughs> Uh, no, he's he's too long on the road. Albeit most of the road is, is a player, but he's too long on the road overall. And even the manager team, there's a lot of experience there. That whatever team comes out from both counties, like both manager teams, are going to look at the team selected, uh, put in the program, and say, no, there's a strong chance, nearly a hundred percent chance that we're not going to face the exact fifteen come come Saturday and Sunday. So, no, we, we as, as I said earlier, we wait, we wait with an, an eager anticipation to see who's going to be at the six. 
Yeah, oh, look, I think these are going to be two really good semi-finals, by the way, and that's not just us uh, hyping it up so people come along on Sunday. I think we still have to work out what the format is going to be for this Sunday because, Murph, you believe you're working with the BBC on Sunday at Crow Park? I am, yeah. So there might be a small bit of analysis afterwards, yeah. So I could... And then I'll be getting... I think Lee Chin could be on, so I might be getting my photo taken with Lee Chin afterwards as a, oh. as a fan, do you know? Like, I mean, have to fangirl oh. in there. Hold on a second. That's not like totally missing opportunity here because Gail and yeah. I are going to be at home watching the game because of the yeah. latest throw in on Sunday. Why don't we just get Lee Chin with you on your phone, bring your microphone with you and we can yeah. chat to Lee for a few minutes about the game as well. Absolutely. No one has to do that. No, I have to run it past him. I'm fairly sure he's going to be <laughs> on. Neil, Neil McManus is going to be there as well. So we can get Neil McManus. We'll have a great demographic then between Antrim, Wexford, Kilkenny, Galway and Offaly. Mm. I think uh, that works. By, by the way, I'm not lying here, Skell. I think this is actually be quite a good idea because once the guys go off air, if we're ready to go at a reasonable time and, you know, I, I don't see why we can't bring the viewers along and have the three lads come on for a few minutes together. Let's do it. Not a bad shout. You're putting well, a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of technology on my shoulders here now that I have to go and like you know uh, sort this out bring my laptop hope my laptop yeah. doesn't malfunction in Crow Park get good Wi-Fi in mm-hmm. Crow Park and then also say to Lee Chin and Neil McManus do you know the way you have a long drive home ahead of you how about <laughs> <laughs> and there's absolutely no fee free by the way but just please just step in here so I'll ask yeah. I'll ask I'll see you you'll be friends with what, them at that point what, what, I'll, what I'll do is I'll set up my phone and say Lee will you jump in here for a quick selfie or Neil McManus and say by the way it's not a selfie we're actually going live on off the ball did <laughs> <laughs> I say selfie I meant live show yeah well, I, really I meant, meant sorry and two hour live did, show and just when we say to him is now lads right there might be a bit of abuse flying don't worry about it just go away it and don't be afraid to abuse people back because it happens alright just happens yeah, look, we'll, we'll make something happen. Don't worry. It'll be fine. Don't forget that if you're going to Saturday's games and you want to go a little bit early and go for a tour of Crow Park, you can go with Murph. Uh, Borgosh Legends Tour taking place. Hurling, it is anyone's game. Off the ball teaming up with the Senior Hurling Championship sponsors, Borgosh Energy. We're uncovering stories highlighting the positive impact that hurling has had on people's lives. Some special videos are coming uh, to the Off the Ball YouTube over the next few weeks as well. Uh, the winner of this week's competition, which is hosted by our friends at BG, is Anna O'Darty, originally from Hungary. Anna has become heavily involved in her local club, which is Six Mile Bridge in the county of Clare she's been training with the junior B's coaching the under 10 camogie team and is the future secretary of the club so I'm guessing that's coming up in December where she becomes the secretary our congrats to uh, Anna who's already been put forward for that position she's getting a goodie bag from BGE we have to work out the details of the live show this Sunday I'd say keep an eye on our social media we'll work it out between now and then and we'll give you all the details because uh, we want the listeners to be able to get involved this coming Sunday as well we'll make it work lads it's been a pleasure sound lads Seriously. OTB's The Hurling Pod. With Board Gosh Energy. Hurling. It's anyone's game. <laughs>